My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 185, it's the WWE Network Review for October. But before we start that, let's have the alternate intro. Our whole universe was in a hot, dense state then. A billion years ago, expansion started, wait, the earth began to cool, the autotrophs began to draw. The Andrefuls developed tools, we built a wall, we, we built, built the, the pyramids. pyramids. Mass science history unraveling the mystery that all started with a big bang. Bang! <sighs> Eight times I took me to get that right. Well, I nailed it first time. <laughs> and now, the intro. Every month, we review the latest content on the WWE Network, including collections, new programs, 205 Live, all the latest news, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Yeah, we start things off, though, with the latest collections. So, WWE Network October 2018 collections, and we start off with the best of Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon. What? Part 3. Stone Cold Steve Austin Miss Man historic rivalry concludes in the final chapter of their WWE Network collection. What? From Austin betrayed by Mr. McMahon and leading the Evading Alliance to Stone Cold's controversial exit in 2002, this collection is full of the venom that only the text fat snake can deliver. Despite, what? <laughs> despite the heated animosity between the icons, there is always respect leading Miss McMahon to personally induct Steve Austin into the WWE Hall of Fame. What? But make no mistake about it, Austin 316 says we'll always be a stunner away from Mr. McMahon, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. What? Uh, so, like you say, from the Alliance, uh, when they, they joined forces, and a couple of a bit good bits in it, are, um, for me, was the confidential episode that they added to it, when Austin basically walked out of the, the WWE, and it was JR, this man talking about why he had left, would he ever come back, and of course he came back a year later, but at that point, portraying Austin as the guy that kind of took his ball, and went home. From this part of the Austin McMahon era, Dan, what moment would you pick out? On a special Monday Night Raw homecoming, Stone Cold Steve Austin gives each member of the McMahon family an unforgettable welcome home. Yeah, he even gives Linda a Stone Cold stunner, or Raw 25 where he gives out uh, stunners to Miss McMahon, and Shane McMahon as well, and our next collection, Dan? Our next collection is the Million Dollar Man Priceless. They say money talks, and the Million Dollar Man has a lot of say in this WWE Network collection. Join the WWE Hall of Famer himself and celebrate the legacy of his priceless career. Before he struck gold, witness Ted DiBiase's early days in Mid-South Wrestling against the likes of Jack Briscoe and the Ultimate Warrior. And then watch his stock soar 
as one of the most iconic superstars of the affluent 1980s, with classic vignettes and unforgettable moments shared with Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Andre the Giant and more. Invest in this collection and learn why everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. Yeah, I mean, so much good on this collection to look back with Ted DiBiase, his little tricks where he used to offer fans money to be able to bounce, kiss his feet and stuff like that. Uh, and also his, his matches as well, you know, buying the WWE Championship most famously. A lot of other things. I mean, you're, you're, are you a big fan of Ted DiBiase? Oh, I am, yes. I did actually quite like it when he was part of uh, Money Inc. with uh, Million Dollar Man, Erwin R. Scheister. Uh, not Million Dollar Man. The uh, Erwin R. Scheister, the IRS. Uh, yeah, and they, they made, I think, a classic tag team. Good match was when they went against the Natural Disasters for the tag team titles. Yeah, who can forget that? Earthquake and Typhoon, eh? Uh, but that's that for now. And coming soon is Sasha Banks and Rey Mysterio. That kind of makes, like, makes sense seeing as uh, Mysterio is back in the WWE now. So we've got some new content. But we've got, we've got a new segment called What's On Our Watch List. So most of mine has been new content that we've been talking about on the past few episodes. Uh, but we've still got a couple of other things to talk about. The network have added the first 20 episodes of WWE Main Event. Yeah, first day of October 3rd, 2012, the main event for the first episode was W Champion CM Punk versus World Champion Sheamus. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. We talk about SmackDown when we had a SmackDown special, how strong that started off. Uh, and main event as well. And what's main event now? It's having people like, you know... Bobby Roode. Mo, well, people like Mojo Rawley in it. So who really gives a fuck about that now, you know? Yeah. Um, also, we had a new episode of Table for Free. Uh, that was on October the 15th, and that featured Nitro Legends, Nash, The Big Show, and DDP. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too bad. We both watched it down. What were your thoughts? I was very impressed by it, yeah. <clears throat> it's uh, it's basically talking a lot about the WCW days, you know, how like the the Big Show kind of got into the business. Uh, he mentioned about his father passing. He didn't know what to do with himself. Um, so I, I think he got introduced to Hulk Hogan. And the way he kind of made an impression on Hogan was actually doing his gimmick, yeah, doing Hogan's yeah, gimmick yeah. to him, you know, and doing the poses and saying, what are you going to do, brother? And actually, you know, that's not something you should do when meeting people for the first time. But Hogan loved the idea. He loved the hot size of him, you know, and he's very impressed by everything the big show had to offer. Yeah, I know. And he, he, he said that uh, DDP and Nash go back a long way as well from when they first started in WCW. Joe came in as a young guy, like I said, in 1995. They kind of took him under his ring and how they destroyed the rental car as well because uh, the giant just used to get really angry, didn't they? That was brilliant. Yeah, I think that was, uh, that was only supposed to smash a window and uh, Nash kind of... The giant was quite green at that time, so he just said to him, look, you know, just go nuts on it. So he actually went nuts on the car. He ended up like right in the car off, yeah. smashing every window, denting the bonnet, ripping up the uh, boot and, you know, just going to town on it. You know, it is good listening to the stories that they've got. They all came through the WCW power plant. Yes, exactly, yeah. Um, and, you know, they kind of commented on how much, like, because Triple H went to the same power plant as that, and, you know, he pulled them aside and said, you know, that basically, if I had the opportunity, I'd have it like this, this, and yeah, this. And yeah. if you go into the NXT Performance Center, it's exactly how he said he had set it out. And, you know, it's kind of come true on what he wanted. Yeah, and, it, and it's weird as well that these three guys are kind of Nash talks about the shape he's in, even though he's had like 16 knee operations and he's still working out and doing a lot in the gym. Of course, Big Show's lost a lot of weight recently as well. And of course, DDP, not only DDP yoga for himself, because all the other people that he's helped out as well. So it's quite good that these three men 
you know, they're legends, but they're, they're in quite good condition right now, you know, like, they're not too bad, and that's why it's nice to see them on table for free, and it's not kind of like, you know, a bit cringy, where it is, they just seem like three guys who actually enjoyed each other's company as well, you know, so, yeah, I think table three is quite a nice little program when they get the kind of, the three people right, and then WWE Hidden Gems as well. <laughs> yes, WWE Network has added the famed last Battle of Atlanta event. The full show has a runtime of nearly two hours and features the likes of Jake Roberts, the Wo- the Road Warriors, Bruno San Martino, and Mr. Wrestling 2. Two. Here is the synopsis for the show that is available in the WWE Hidden Gems section. Witness the historic last battle of Atlanta in its entirety, headlined by Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich settling a rivalry in a steel cage. Then we go on to the WWE Music Power 10. That was for September 2018, and that was released on October the 15th. Yeah, so there's another new content. Anything else that comes out, we'll try to review it straight away on the WNR podcast. So we do move on to 2.05, and it's September 19th, episode 95. So we've actually watched every single episode of 205 Live. <laughs> that mental, yeah. Coming up to 100, we've watched every single one, yeah. Well, we get a long recap of Cedric retaining his title on the SummerSlam kickoff and Gulak's campaign of terror to get Drake Maverick to let he and Alexander have a rematch is shown before the opening theme. Well, Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Jackson slash Watson welcome us to Tulsa and make their picks in Alexander versus Gulak 2. But before that, we get TJP defeating Lince Dorado via pinfall with a roll-up. <coughs> Sorry, we get TJP defeating Lince Dorado. Via pinfall with a roll-up. Well, Dorado comes down to the ring without his brothers, and he gets the most of the empty arena going a bit with the Lucha chant. Perkins gets enough an advantage of the early going to try to dab on Lynche and gets kicked in the head for it. TJ regains control by knocking Dorado down with a shoulder on the apron, followed a guillotine and a rising to work some submission and go for pins, but Perkins seems just as interested in inflicting punishment as getting the win. Oh, back and forth until Dorado puts TJ down with a spinning heel kick, followed by a big chop. Hurricane Rana sends Perkins to the floor, and Lince follows with a dive right at him. He rolls him back in for a two count two. off a moonsault. After a battle on the turnbuckles, a super kick and a bronco buster set Dorado up for his finisher, but TJP rips his mask off before he can hit it. The roll-up comes while Lince tries to cover his face. Well, Perkins makes off with Dorado's PR flag, painted Matraka as he leaves to add insult to injury. Drake Maverick has a meet with Leo Rush who informed he won't be able to compete in his scheduled match with Nardar because he got tied up in business for Bobby Lashley. DM tells him he doesn't care what Rush does on Monday nights, but if he doesn't honour his commitment to 25 Live, he won't make any money. The man of the hour laughs and he says he'll see Drake and Oam next week. Maverick says he better or there'll be consequences. Another meeting for DM the GM. Mustafa Raleigh thanks him for the warm-up match last week, but he's itching for more. He wants revenge against Hideo Itami. 
Maverick says it's his job to make the tough decisions. He saw the tune-up, but he also remembers Ali lying face down after his match before that against Hideo. And it's a sight that he never wants to see again. Mustafa Ali starts to plead with him, but Drake cuts him off and says he's spoken to the medical staff and Ali is cleared. He'll face Hideo Itami next week. The heart of 205 Live thanks him, saying DM won't regret it, but Itami will. Both of these matches are confirmed for next week. Then our main event is Cedric Alexander versus Drew Gulak with Brian Kendrick and Jack Hara for the W Cruiserweight title. Well, Vic Joseph noted how Cedric Alexander was caught off guard by having a championship match scheduled before his title defence in Australia. The crowd started off with a Let's Go Cedric chant and they are more... There, and there are more people in their seats now. Kendrick distracted Cedric early on, which allowed Gulak to get the Gulak on Cedric, but Cedric quickly rolled away before the Gulak could be locked in. Alexander locked Gulak in a headlock. Vic Joseph noted that Gulak's undefeated 2018. He only has one or two official losses in WWE to begin with. Gulak got to a vertical base to get out of Alexander's chin lock. Alexander grounded Gulak and got the headlock back in. Gulak got back to a vertical, vertical base. Lee Brian Kendrick tripped Cedric Alexander right in front of the referee. Instead of disqualifying Gulak when a commentator's note the referee could do, the referee instead sent Kendrick and Galahad to the back. This allowed Alexander to go back into his striking advantage. Gulak made it to the rope for a rope break during Alexander's armbar. Cedric focused on his attack on the arms of Gulak. Gulak recovered and turned a Urangi... Urinagi. <laughs> turned a Urinagi into a T-bone suplex. Gulak locked his own armbar on Cedric. Cedric tried to escape with an overhead kick... But Gulak turned the position into an elbow drop. Gulak hit a few stomps on Cedric and then he hit a loud snap on the chest of Alexander. Gulak got a near fall on Cedric and uh, Alexander then dropped his hips to block a Gulak suplex. Cedric then suplexed Gulak inside the ring to the floor outside but landed on his feet so he can hit Gulak with another suplex. I hope Alexander didn't smash his head on the apron because that looks scary. Both men beat the 10 count. Alexander caught Gulak with a drop kick and then a punt. Alexander hit Gulak with a crossbody for a near fall. Alexander caught Gulak with a neutraliser. Alexander hit Gulak with a taupe con hilo. Gulak surprised Alexander in the ring with a gulak, but Alexander was near the bottom rope for the rope break. Gulak series of strong body slams. Gulak went for a submission, but Alexander turned into a pimped attempt. Gulak then hit Alexander with a clothesline from hell for a two count. Two. Buddy Murphy was shown watching the match in the back. Gulak tried to lock in the gulak for the ropes, but Alexander escaped. Alexander got back in the ring and counters ensued. Alexander hit Gulak with a Michinoku drive for a near fall. Alexander hit Gulak with several strong chops. Gulak hit Alexander with a forearm and went to the top rope. Gulak hit Alexander with a flying forearm, which the announcers noted was unlike him due to his hatred. This got a two count. Two. Gulak tenderized Alexander with backslaps, which allowed him to lock in a Gulak on the champion. Alexander escaped, but Gulak got the Gulak back in. Alexander escaped since the move wasn't grapevined and then carried Gulak into a fireman carry for the Death Valley driver on the turnbuckle. The commentators noted that Gulak might be weaker due to the many Gulaks that Gulak got on him. <laughs> well, well done, you can say that. Gulak hit Alexander with a signature stiff slaps on Alexander. Alexander went into Gulak and then landed a snug lumbar check on Drew Gulak for the victory. Cedric Alexander defeated Drew Gulak via pinfall in 20 minutes, 14 seconds. After a graphic confirming their match as Super Showdown, Kayla Braxton interviews Buddy Murphy. He tips his cap to the champ and says his win streak is very impressive. But people tune in 205 Live week in and week out to see him steal the show. And after he wins about in his hometown of Melbourne... 
this will all be his. Oh, and I cannot wait for that. Buddy Murphy. September 26th, episode 96. The Purple Brands move to Wednesday, got rave reviews, and they're going to keep building momentum by finally delivering a Noam Dar versus Leo Rush match, we think, and serving up another helping of Hideo Itami versus Mustafa Ali. Drake Maverick narrates a recap of last week's main event and news he'll be moderating a sit-down conversation between Cedric Alexander and the man who'll face for the Cruiserweight title at the Super Showdown. He also hopes the two announced matches and gives some of the history behind them. Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness... (coughs) Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcome us to Denver and our first competitor is already making his way to the ring. Yeah, it's my man, the Scottish supernova, Noam Dar is here and Leah Rush making his way out. Look at him, already run away from Noam Dar. Come on, Dar, catch him. Well, I, don't want, I, want, I want Leah Rush to get his face smashed in as well tonight, Dan, so I'm with you with this one. That's it, Dar. Big kick, take this cocky son of a bitch down. No, Amdar come out the winning end of a feud with TJP. He's looking to put Leo Rush away now. That's it. Snap made him up the top rope. No, Amdar throws him into the turnbuckles and Leo Rush in serious trouble. It's been all Dar. Oh, and Dar just throws him, drops him on his back, goes for cover one, two. Oh, but a kick out from Leo Rush. Ah. Now Dar back on the offensive. Bending the arms back, now working on the face. Oh, roll up from Noam Dar, but only getting a two count. Two. And Leo Rush scurries out of the ring. Come on, Dar. Dar follows him out. Leo Rush is trying to recuperate, but Dar gives him no chance. Oh, was Rush playing possum? Hello, possums. Because he, he tries cheat. throwing Noam Dar into the steel steps. Yeah, and he tries to kick him whilst he's on the ropes, but he gets his leg caught by Dar. Oh, and a cheap shot by Rush. Handspring takedown, Leo Rush. On die, throws it to the outside, and now he's on the apron, kicking her. Oh! And catching Noam Dar with a moonsault. I noticed that his man, Bobby Lashley, ain't by his side. No, and I don't think he should either. This is all about the cruiserweights. We don't need some big idiot down here distracting us from what's going on in the ring. Leo Rush is lucky he's even got a job here on 205 Live when he goes against a caliber athlete that Noam Dar is. And now Dar with the forearms. No, I'm done. Rocking Rush. Scoop slam from Leo Rush. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh, oh. Get him down like that. Come on now. I don't think the speed advantage goes to Leo Rush in this. I think Dar is quicker. He's stronger. He's every way. And Leo Rush now has got the submission in on Dar. Dar will fight this low. Not a lot of strength from Rush. Oh, cheeky little roll up from Leo Rush though. Nearly catching No Dar sleeping. And now the kicks by Rush. They're just frustrating Dar. Oh, Rush going for a kick, getting his leg caught by Noam Dar, who just spins it away from him, dropping Rush to the mat. Come on, Dar. Grabs hold of Rush and a four-arm strike. <laughs> Dar reverses the Irish whip. Oh, Noam Dar ducks it. Catches himself on the top rope, though. Jab to the throat, jab to the midsection, and follows it up with a big uppercut. Finish him. And now Noam Dar running in. Boom. Bang. Running elbow. Now picking him up, Northern Lights, suplex, throw. Goes for the cover. One, two. Just kicking out. Dar now looking to the end. Kick to Rush. Oh. No, Rush with a roll up. Looking for a spinning kick, but getting his, like, Noam Dar, he locks in the ankle lock. Tap. Tap, you bitch. Tap. Oh, Leo Rush rolls through. Rush somersault, but lands on his feet. 
Dahl catches him. Throws him into the turnbuckle. Now Dahl looking to finish off Leo Rush here. Looking for that Nova roller. Oh, but Leo Rush cleverly rolls out the way. Well, he got caught with that strike low and slap round the face. Maybe that's what he deserves, changing attitude. Look at Dahl now. Combinations in the corner. Referee getting in between them. Come on, ref. Oh, but Rush goes down low, takes a knee out. Spinning heel kick to the face. Is Leo going up top? Oh, frog splash. Brown style. One, two, three. And an upset victory there for James because... And an upset loss there for James because Leo Rush has just beaten Noam Dar. Well, I mean, he came back from injury looking stronger than ever. Got a controversial victory over TJP. And then goes and loses to... Bobby Lashley's hype boy. Well, that was a bit of a letdown then, wasn't it? But we move on. <laughs> Swiftly. Mm-hmm. Well, DM's sit-down starts with the GM touting Cedric, Cedric and Buddy's credentials. Alexander says he's won their last match because of his pride in representing the brand. Murphy says the champ keeps talking about pride without mentioning all of Ced's advantages, including having their match happen in North Carolina in front of Alexander's mum. Next weekend, the actual being Buddy's hometown. The champ starts to call the challenger on his excuses, something so-called juggernaut shouldn't need. Murphy declares he'll win at Super Showdown and storms off. Lee Bryan can this guy via submission with Captain's Hook. Well, the match lasts less than 30 seconds and it doesn't take much longer for Drew Gulak, who accompanied Kendrick to the ring with Jack Gallagher, to attack, taking out his frustrations on this guy. Bryan eventually tells Drew, this guy's had enough. He throws him out of the ring as the trio celebrate. Mustafa Ali gets a locker room promo. People say insanity is trying the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But people are looking to him to end his air time. He's reigning a tight heart of 205 Live will face him to do just that. Well, we get a TJP selfie promo delivered wearing a mask. People took him to task for disrespecting a Lucha Libre by unmasking Lince Dorado last week. People may not know he wrestled in Mexico for years under a mask of his own. Something else we may not know, Perkins didn't care about Lucha then, and he doesn't now. All he cares about is tapping people out, something he'll keep he makes Kalisto submit next week. TJP used to wear masks like these back in the day, but he didn't care about the sacred tradition then, and he definitely doesn't care about it now. He's too handsome to cover up his face. We also learn Jack Gallagher will face Akira Tozawa next week to try and get revenge against the man who injured his partner, Kendrick. Then it's main event time. So it's Mustafa Ali versus Tommy and early early going. Mustafa Ali's been chasing down Atami. He's been keeping his distance. But he's finally caught with some chops on the outside. Rolls him in the hatred for these two men here. And Ali now, nice flip over. Oh, flipping over the uh, the attempts from Hidao Atami there as well. Landing on his feet. Pop-up drop kick there though. And Ali's fired up for this one. Well, there's no doubt this dude's super talented. You know, we've seen him do some great matches here on 205 Live. He's got himself in a spot where he is the heart of 205 Live. And, you know, he's a great addition to the Cruiserweight scene. You just worry maybe this is Hitami's last kind of major feud in WWE, you know? Hitami? Yeah, Hitami. I worry about Hideo, like, the fact is, after this feud is over... Uh, we'll see Ali moving on and probably, to be fair, 
So uh, we'll be Atami back to Japan. It's not worked in WWE, you know. He definitely hasn't, no. Yeah, certainly Hideo Atami's had a very disappointing run. They tried him in NXT. He got injured, came back from injury, kind of got replaced by Shinsuke Nakamura. And, you know, they, they shipped him off to 205 Live, where he's, again, he's just fallen flat on his face. He he had a quite a good rivalry with t- uh, the Brian Kendrick, and since then, it's been pretty much nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's the kind of same old, same old as uh, Itami now has got hold of Arlene. It all started wrapping his legs and his body, ra- or his head around the ring post, and then using it again <laughs> off the apron. Just sliding him off the, uh, out of the ring and just face first onto the wafer thin mats below. And Itami's mouth might really be busted, but Ali's busted up with those kicks. And they go like they go on about you know him not liking Oscar and Nakamura because they can't really deliver promos. Hideo Itami could. Well, this is the thing that's weird that he can and yet he's not in any of it. You know, you kind of think maybe difficult to deal with, or maybe Triple H didn't see much. I mean, well, he must have signed him for a reason. You know, that's what I don't understand. But he's not really changed in the couple of years he's been in WWE, you know? Well, no. in the four years he's been in WWE. Well, do you think it's something that Hideo Itami's done? Because, you know, a lot of other wrestlers, they've kind of made their own stamp on things. But with uh, Hideo, he's just been samey-samey. You know, he's got his bland trunks. As We know you're not a fan of bland wrestling trunks, even though Austin just wore black trunks. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, Hidami is still certainly working over Mustafa Ali at the moment and the heart and soul just can't keep going in this match. <clears throat> As he spins round Hidami, looks for a roll-up. Two. Oh, only getting a two count. Two. But just delivers a stiff knee to the midsection and that stops Mustafa Ali's momentum. Goes for a cover of his own but only getting a two count. Two. Well, Hidami's been in control of this match for a long time now. Kicks him to the outside. He's just been beating the crap out of him. Basically, Bernard. Looking for a count-out victory. Man, he's not going to get it. Mustafa Ali manages to make his way back in the ring. Can he get in? He's been beaten down these past few minutes, but he's in. Oh, just before eight. Now, Tommy's going to pick him up, maybe finish him. Go for the GTS, no, but Ali turns it into roll-up. No, Hideo Tommy pushing him off. Oh. oh, spins through the ropes, kick to the head. Could this be the uh, momentum that Ali needs? Rolls through the ropes, delivers an X Factor, goes up to the second. And Tommy is slowly moving, runs in. Sunset flip by Ali. Tommy rolls through. Oh, but Ali powerbomb to. Oh. oh. Atami somehow managing to kick out. Uh. Can I just say, Seth, uh, Mustafa Ali ma- reminds me of a mini Seth Rollins a little bit. Why? Because he's not black? No, just because he like, can entirely the same moves that he moves and stuff yeah. that he can do in the ring. And we saw there with a powerbomb. Uh, but Ali's then, oh, gets chucked out on the apron. Atami's got a bit of Seth Rollins. He comes running in. Oh, throws Atami to the outside, though. And what's Ali going to do? Flips over the top rope, looking for a suicide dive. Palancho over the top, takes out Itami. Bang on the money there. And now Ali throws him in. This is the end. Oh, but Hideo Itami wisely rolling away to the other side of the ring. Got a lot of separation between the two and just crumbles to the floor. Now Ali doesn't want the victory like that going outside. 
A little bit of time, he was lulling him into a full sense of security, looking to bounce his head off the steel steps. Mustafa Ali blocks it, delivers a back elbow, jumps up onto the steel steps, oh. twisting cross body, oh. but gets caught. I think they headbutted each other, didn't they? Oh, like a big boot to the face by Atami. Well, whatever happened, Ali got hit in the face. That <laughs> landed terribly on those mats. How thin are those mats, Dan? About a mile, mile and a half. <laughs> no, they're mere millimetres stick like wafer-thin ham. Or t- <laughs> Tommy throws him in. Goes for the cover, but no. Managing to kick out. Oh. How much is left, though, of Mustafa Rally? He's been beaten up by Tommy. Oh, Tommy comes running in with a drop kick, but Mustafa Rally manages to move out of the way just in time for Tommy to hit the bottom turnbuckle. Tornado DDT off the springboard from the second rope. And that might be it. Goes for the cover, but no. Atami kicking out. Uh. And Ali must be so frustrated right now, Mark. We see the reverse 450. Well, that DDT knocked it out Atami for six. And he's going to put him in position. And going to end him here. What are you doing? Oh, my God. He's at the top. Atami cuts him off. Crutches him on the top. And now here comes... Itami all the way up. Oh! Falcon Superplex hell. into a Falcon Arrow. Mustafa Ali fuck knows how he managed it, but he kicked out. Uh-huh. Well, I feel both men might kill each other in this one. Yep. And Itami now just kicking, flicking away at Ali. Complete disrespect. No, you can't do it again, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but he's setting him up on the top rope. And Ali looks to be out. He's on top. Hidao Itami, superplex rolling through to Phoenix Blast. No, sorry. Oh, my God. Here we go. The fuck? Oh, my God. Well, Mustafa Ali pushed Hidao Itami off the top rope and followed him literally a second later and landed like on the backs of his thighs, I think. Well, I thought, yeah, Itami didn't have his legs down, so it would have hurt Ali, but he's going up. Looking for the inverted 450. Yeah, the reverse <laughs> 450. Oh, Ali... They roll into the outside, though, again, wisely, stopping Ali and his momentums. Oh, and Ali now dodging to the outside, taking that casing off that top turnbuckle. Oh! 4.50 (laughs) to the edge of the ring apron. (laughs) Fucking hell. Now that, my friend, is going to leave a mark. Both men are out, and it's double count out. Referees, (laughs) trainers... EMT's down, Drake Maverick DM's down. down. Well, DM the GM's here. Come on, he's now. calling down the authors of pain. <laughs> Super Collider. Oh my God, it's total chaos. No, on Tuesdays he just on Wednesdays he just hires them for security. And they're going to pick up Ali and uh, tell me take him to the back, bounce them back first off each other. This feud is over. I know, but great match though between the two. Dan, what are your thoughts? Absolutely fucking brilliant mm-hmm. contest between the two, and it should be great. I mean, look at that move there. He sent. Itami's <laughs> knees into his gut. <laughs> and then, bang. bang. My God. I think Mustafa Ali could have gone from that, personally. I think he could as well, but hey, that's pro wrestling. So we move on to our next episode, which is episode 97, October 3rd. Well, Drake Maverick starts by hyping Saturday's title fight and informs us we'll be checking in on how both Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy are preparing. He catches up catches us up on the stories behind both tonight's announced matches. 
Well, Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Jackson slash Watson welcome us to Portland. Tazawa enter and works on hyping up the Foles, who arrived early for SmackDown. Gallagher follows with Drew Gulak and Lee Brian Kendrick. Well, Akira Tazawa defeated Jack Gallagher via pinfall following a senton from the top. The former champ is willing to grapple with Jack at the start, but after training pinning predicaments, Tazawa rolls through, hits a kick and a senton and gets back to his game. A distraction by Kendrick lets Gulak grab Akira's foot when he warms up for a dive. And the gentleman is in control. Tozawa eventually gets some separation to hit a windmill kick. And when Gallagher rolls out to avoid the senton from the top, his opponent finally hits that suicide dive. Tozawa reaching the ropes on a single leg Boston crab variant. The battle on the apron and Gallagher positions him on the top rope. Akira pushes him off and he hits his finish. Well, Gulak demands a microphone. It's come to his attention their team isn't living up to their full potential. So he directs his partners and the simple people in the arena to an old teaching tool. It's the return of his PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Well, I've been waiting to see this for ages. The PowerPoint's back. What's slide number 10? Is that Brian Kendrick? Oh, Kendrick takes the first shot. Takes out Gallagher and Drew Gulak. Oh, he's got a captain's hook in on Gallagher. Well, Kendrick struck first. Uh, Gulak, though. Oh. And the Gulak. Now, Jack with the cheap shots. Oh, come on, he's your mentor. He made you who you were, Jackie. Oh, uh, yeah, they pick up slide 10, which is a cartoon of Kendrick begging, which says no mercy. Drew runs down the former cruiserweight champ, call him deadweight. And Kendrick attacks before he can get jumped. He throws Gulak out and gets a couple of swings in on Gallagher to lock in the captain's hook. When Drew recovers, Gulak doubles back to inflict more punishment before they finally leave Kendrick laying in the ring. Clips of last week's sit-down interview are interspeared with new promos from Cedric's training outside and Murphy's training at the Performance Centre. They both vowed to win in Melbourne. Well, Caleb Braxton interviews DM the GM about the end of Itami Ali last week. He's given both men the week off to recover, but he knows things aren't two men. The next time they face off, it'll be a match no one wants to miss. Well, next week, Leo Rush will hold an open challenge. Well, Kalisto here defeating TJP via pinfall. Lucha House Party hits the stage with Kalisto, but head to the back when he enters. TJP is out in a Lucha House Party shirt, which he rips off while promising to take Kalisto's mask off. The Lucha door gets him back in the early going, avoiding and mocking TJP. Frustrated Cruiser Great finally gets in some offence with a drop kick to Kalisto while he was wheelbarrowing away. More kicks, on, more kicks on the apron lead to a submission set up where TJP rips the tail portion off Kalisto's mask. Well, he's smirking. No, James, he hasn't got a square on his gob. He's just got a smile on his face. And he stomps his opponent's head to the mat and then gets two on the cover. Two. After more punishment, Kalisto fights out and goes for the twisted back body off the ropes. But TJP catches him and pulls him to the mat to keep control of a painful-looking butterfly submission and another near fall off suplexes. After another comeback is thwarted, TJP taunts from the top rope, allowing Kalisto to recover and avoid the splash. His comeback builds a basement runner for two. Two. A battle in the corner sends Kalisto over the ropes and then drop back in over the ropes for a near fall for TJP. Then the Luchador catches the opponent with a kick to the head while TJP was on the top rope. A twisting sunset flip powerbomb followed, but the cruiser grade kicked out at two. Two. Well, Kalisto with the Lucha, Lucha, 
Lucha chance while both men recover. And when he goes for Salida del Sol, TJP flips out and kicks out his leg. A knee bar leads to a great near finish before Kalisto finally gets to the bottom rope, which leads to a frustrated TJP trying to rip Kalisto's mask off. Linsterado runs down to stop that and gets blasted off the apron. But that gives Kalisto time to recover and roll TJP up for free. Well, after the bell, though, TJP attacks while Kalisto is getting his hand raised and rips the mask off. He covers his head as Dorado and Grand Metallic come to his aid. TJP slinks off in the crowd, smiling and showing off his latest trophy. Yet another trophy for the Cruiser Great. October 10th, episode 98. For the first time since WrestleMania 34 in April, the purple belt was on someone other than Cedric Alexander. Buddy Murphy took down the Solar 205 Live in his hometown of Melbourne at the Super Showdown. Now we'll see how both men and the entire Cruiserweight division reacts to the change. Well, Leo Rush is here for his open challenge. He's rocking a Bobby Lashley shirt and not shaking hands with fans. But he's calling for a mic amidst a sea of booze. Well, he's here to make somebody famous tonight. He knows the fans in India are used to fast cars, but there's nothing faster or better than a 23-year-old piece of gold. Whoever steps up to his challenge better come correct because the man of ours came to collect. And who answers his call? Well, it's Linz Dorado. Is yes, Linz Dorado versus Leo Rush. They trade arm drags on route to a stalemate, but Rush pretends to be giving Dorado props and throws a punch to get an advantage. Lince then comes back with an inseguri and a drop kick, then attempts a cover by corpse in onto Leo. Dorado climbs out, but Rush hits it from the top with a handspring kick, then dives onto the Lucha House Party member on the floor. Well, back in for a cover, but Lince kicks out. Ah. Rush stays in control, pulling at Dorado's beard and raking his back amidst going for covers and targeting the midsection with rest holes. Lots of trash talk from Leo eventually unbuckles Dorado's chin strap and threatens to take the mask. That fires Lynch up, who takes Rush down with chops and kicks for putting Leo down with a slam. High cross body from the top gets two. Two! And Dorado won't let go when Rush reaches the bottom rope, and Leo uses the ref break to regain advantage. Kick to the midsection of Dorado. Spinning heel kick nearly takes Lynch's head off. And he's got him, was it unprettier? Oh, that's a spinning unprettier. Goes for the cover one, two. two. Oh, Dorado somehow managed to kick out. Ah, uh. and now Rush going up. Oh god, he's gonna go hit his uh, frog splash. But Dorado, I think, knows this. Getting up away from Rush, super kick knocks that little fucker's head off. Come on now, Dorado. Cha. Lu cha lu cha lu cha lu bang bronco buster and rush is in serious trouble oh he reverses dorado oh handspring stunner stunner oh but rush falls to the outside well then say follows it over with a diving corkscrew that's brilliant throws rush in lu cha Lucha. Come on, Eldorado. Oh, oh, what? What's this? Oh, <laughs> oh, Dad! It's Maria Canellis. If she's followed by that cunt, oh, I spoke too soon. <laughs> 
He's here. Back in Mike Kanellis. He's here in 205 Live. Mike Kanellis beating Dan Dorado. And that is the last time we watched 205 Live. <laughs> well, two of your favourites, Dan, are finally back in the WWE. What an impact here by Mike Bennett. He's making a statement on Dorado. Oh, my God. I am shocked. The power of love is back in 205 Live. Oh! Just when we got rid of fucking Enzo fucking cunty Amore from 205 Live, this bell shine turns up. Well, Dan, feel the power of love, all right? That's what I will say. Here Do you know <laughs> that Mike Bennett is the most annoying person that Maria Canellis has been with, and she was with Santino fucking Morella? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, I don't know. Give him a chance. He's the, had a chance. He's a cunt. The power of love is here on 205 Live. Unbelievable. I am shocked, Dan, and I know your reaction. He's a fucking drunk. <laughs> He's got fucking substance abuse issues. He should be fucked off out of it and fuck off in Impact Wrestling, the cunt. They are here, but the good news is we've got something else that's happened on, on 205 level. That is a new champ. A new champ, Buddy Murphy, delivers a self-shot promo from a balcony in Australia. He proved you can't stop the unstoppable... He won't be at 205 Live because the champ does what he wants. He'll be back when he's ready. So we've got another fucking Brock Lesnar on our hands then. Someone who only fucking turns up when he fucking feels like it. <laughs> Twat. <laughs> well, Cedric Alexander is listening to something in the locker room when Mustafa Ali comes in to check on him. Ced said he's fine. Ali tells him Drake Maverick told him he has a false count anywhere match with Hidao Itami in two weeks. Mustafa goes to leave but doubles back to check on his friend. Wondering if it's not too soon to be talk, talking this match with Nice. Wondering if it's not too soon to be taking this match with Nice. Alexander says he just needs to get back in the ring so he can best. See what intro gastritis is playing up now because that cunt's <laughs> back on the fucking screen. Gastroenteritis. Well, 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 well. We get a recap of Drew Gulak and Jack Harker taking out the Brian Kendrick. Gulak and Harker get a promo where they explain it's difficult to dissolve a partnership. But it's better to do it quickly than let something linger, like Jared. Gallagher says it was painful but necessary. He looked up to Kendrick, but their partnership was based on respect and being scoundrels. And Kendrick has gotten sentimental. Next week, they'll deal with another thorn in their side when they face Akira Tozawa. Drew declares their message is clear and their constitution is unclouded in their quest for a better 205 line. Well, Tony Nice versus Cedric Alexander... Is our main event on this card. Yeah, and we get a lock-up as Ced appears a little distracted but maintains an early advantage. When he gets in some offence, he poses and preens and Alexander is clearly frustrated with it. Well, he stomps Tony down, forcing Charles Robinson to call for the break. He then tries to pull Nice back into the ring by his hair. On another break, Tony pulls Ced to the ground and puts the boots to him. He rolls him back and continues to inflict punishment. Alexander comebacks a short-lived as he announces part over the travel to and from and the loss in Australia has taken a big toll on the former champ. Well, Cedric finally gets back on the fence when he gets his knees up on a ring assaulted moonsault. On a ring. Cedric finally gets back on the fence when he on a ring assisted moonsault. The, flo- the follow-up flurry leads to a flatliner but Tony rolls out before Cedric Alexander can recover. Back in, said with a close... said. Back in, said clotheslines him back out to the floor and follows with a dive. And now he's got Tony Nice on the outside looking to throw him back in and take advantage of that. The former cruiserweight champion, it's weird to see him without the purple belt. Springboard in, clothesline by Alexander going for the cover. Two. 
Oh. Only managing a two count. Two. Oh, and Nice trying to catch you with a pinning predicament. Alexander gets his shoulder up, and now he backslides Nice, but again, only a two. Two. Oh, and Nice there, rocking back and forth rather than getting off it. But he's got a lot of power. Let's not forget the premier athlete. Looks like a heavyweight. Fights like a cruiserweight. Michinoku driving by Alexander. Oh. Imagine a kick out. Uh. Oh, and Alexander coming in, but Nice throwing him on the apron. But said springboards back in, but gets caught by the absolute Tony Nice. And he throws him into the corner, but Alexander with a boot up. Springboarding in, but Nice there, lovely rolling. Rolling through, slapping Cedric Alexander, and he just hangs him up on the top rope. <clears throat> I don't think Cedric knows where he is at the moment, but here comes Nice. Oh, oh kick to the midsection, onto his shoulders. Bang, knee to the midsection. One, two, two throw. Cedric Alexander just managing to kick out. Oh. Now Tony Nice riling Cedric Alexander up, gets him a chop to the chest. He follows it up with an elbow to the jaw. And Cedric Alexander's just letting loose with a flurry of chops to the chest of Nice. Oh. Who finally gets in a spinning heel kick to the midsection, knee to the jaw. And now he's working away, looking for a leg sweep. But Alexander jumps over, looks for a kick of his own, gets caught by Tony Nice, who throws him against the ropes and follows it up with a big elbow to the jaw. And now here comes Nice running back in, but Alexander handspring turns it into the knockout kick. Both men down. And Alexander struggling to get back up, and so is Tony Nice. But Seds up before Tone. And now he's going to look for the lumbar check. If he can get it, but no Nice with a chop to the chest. Oh, Cedric responds in kind. He can see the redness of each man's chest. And now Nice, pick it up, pump handle. No. Alexander catching him, pushing him against the ropes. Spanish fly. Nice rolling towards the ropes, so he gets his foot on the oh. bottom to break the count up. And that's what saved him there. Charles Robinson knows. Well, <laughs> great officiating. Alexander's eyes popping out his head. Can't believe it. Nice throws Alexander on the apron. He howls on. Pulls Tony up by his hair. Oh, blocks the kick to the head. Doesn't block the sweep. Tony drags him back into the ring. And now Nice trying to take advantage of this going up. Oh, Cedric moves out of the way. Oh, Lumbar check. Nice lands on his feet. Oh. A big slap from Alexander. Just rocks Tony Nice. And now Alexander's going for it again, but Nice holding on to the ropes. Roberts is trying to get him to break it. Oh, my God. What a right hand by Tony Nice, Rocking Cedric. Oh. oh belly to back into the second turnbuckle. And now here comes Tony. We're going to see running knees. Bang. Hits its mark. But he's still not finished. Should have gone for the cover. It was over then, Tony. Up looking to finish it. Oh. 450. Two. Three. <laughs> Tony Nice beats Cedric Alexander. Gives him his second loss in a row. Well, a man's not lost in a year. Has just lost to Tony Nice, the premier athlete. My God, I am shocked here. Well, I'm not shocked because he is absolute. Dan, what do you think of the match? I thought it was a bloody good match between the two. Very well worked, very fast paced. Um, yeah, you know, does this make Tony Nice a new number one contender? Well, you got you got to argue for that. You know, someone's got to meet uh, Buddy Murphy, and it'd be weird if it is Tony Nice because you know they are two friends <laughs> i was gonna say two buddies <laughs> but 
But uh, in all seriousness, what a great victory. Maybe the biggest victory of Tonis' career right here on 205 Live. And the other question is, what does Cedric Alexander do now? Is it back to the drawing board with him? Does he take a step back? Has he lost a step or two since losing the Cruiserweight title? Well, he does get his uh, obligated rematch against Buddy Murphy, but, you know, it depends on how that goes. He seems to be in a funk, because Cedric Alexander seems... Uh, so Yeah, he seems to be in a funk, because Mustafa Ali seems concerned with him as well. Well, this is the thing, and this is the interesting questions that we ask as we continue 205 Live. So, so our last episode of 205 Live, it's October 17th, episode 99. DM the GM welcomes us to the show with a chat about the changing landscape of the show. New champ Buddy Murphy, the shocking, stupid, retarded, ridiculous arrival of Mike and Mar- and Tony Nese's upset win over Cedric Alexander. This wide open landscape is the reason he's booked tonight's fatal five way. Well, Vic Joseph welcomes us to DC and informs us Murphy is in the house. He also gets thoughts on the main event from Nigel McGuinness and Percy Jackson slash Watson. We get a flashback to Drew Gulak and Jack Hayahad dumping and brawling with Lee Brian Kendrick. The crusading duo make their entrance for our first match. And that is Akira Tozawa defeating Drew Gulak. Well, Gulak tries for an early cheap shot and gets angry that Tozawa leads a... Ah! 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 chant. They eventually lock up and establish the quick striker versus technician dynamic. The former champion charge early and even gets an octopus submission in. But when Gulak catches him on a crossbody attempt, the submission specialist goes to work himself. The comeback ends with Drew power bombs his opponent and arches into cover for two. Two. Then bites Tazawa's ear while working on a neck crank. A flurry of kicks in response. Operation for Akira to climb for a missile drop kick, then dive to take out Gulak and Gallagher. He sets Drew up for the senton, but Jack recovers to push him off the top rope and trigger the DQ. Jack removes his cufflinks and gets ready to really inflict some punishment. And here comes Kendrick. He quickly gets the better of things and locks in the captain's hook. Gulak saves Callagher and they exit. When Brian tries to help Tazawa, he's wary. DM the GM welcomes the champ and Tony Nese. He congratulates Murphy. He says he would have been champ six months ago if not for Drake's stupid weigh-ins. That's in the past, but now... But now he's looking forward to seeing what Maverick does with a new 205 Live. Nice proved last week he's the only guy who can hang with Buddy when he became the only other man to pin Alexander in 2018 last week. He's going to prove the whole division runs through them when he wins the main event. I couldn't agree more, Dan. What are the two guys I picked out and leading the charge in 205 Live? Mike and Maria Canellis get a pointless video promo. They took an opportunity last week while interrupting in halfway through a match pointlessly. And that will take them to the title. Hopefully, this is one match I hope Murphy actually wins. 205 Live has a new power couple. They'll start proving it by finishing what they started with. Linsterado! Next week. Yeah, they, they, they are really the new power couple into, on 205 Live, aren't they? They're you, just being a cunt for the sake of you being got a cunt. Bit, I really like Maria Mike Canellis. It's good that they're changing it. Hidatami's backstage, he says something in Japanese, then tells Mustafa Ali he should have walked away. In next week's last man standing, he'll end Ali's career. Ali's response is from a remote location. He's walking in the road, saying they've been down this road before, so it's time to take a nude. Runs right into him and falls count anywhere. The usual strong stuff from the heart of 205 Live. Well, it's main event time and TJP enters wearing Kalisto's mask around his neck. Lucha House Party come on stage with Metallic, but then leaves him 
to his business. The champ is watching on a monitor in the back. So it is main event time. It is Tony Nice versus Cedric Alexander versus TJP versus Grand Metallic versus Leo Rush. So let's hope Leo Rush loses. I mean, who are you fatal five-way, Dan? Oh, it is five-way even. I'm going to go for my man, TJP. Yeah, and I'm going to go for my man, Tony Nice. I think he really proved last week, as he already starts with Cedric Alexander in the ring, that he can get the job done. And he gets closed all over the top there, which is not great. And now as Leo Rush is a pretender and a former champion. Rush gets his foot caught, spun around but lands on his feet. And now trying to outrun Cedric. But gets caught trying to dive between his legs. But Rush turns it into an arm drag takedown. Oh, but Alexander flipping him over with a head scissors. But Rush landing on his feet and getting all cocky. Just hit him in the fucking mouth. Oh, he tried to. Rush dodged it, but Alexander throws him on that top rope. And Rush with a head scissors takedown off the springboard from the second. And now a little bit of dancing. Well, he calls himself the man of the hour, but he's going to have to prove it. He's going to have to win a few matches first. And as Leo Rush was running round, uh, Tony Nice takes him out on the outside. Grand Metallic catches Leo Rush. Big kick to the face. Springboard's back in. Crossbody takes down Leo Rush. Handspring backflip there for Metallic. Oh, <laughs> and he just plants Rush face first on the mat. Well, that is lovely by Metallic spinning on that second rope there. Delivering a drop kick to Rush, but... I don't think any man has been beaten up enough, but Nice throws Metallic out. Hard on those mats. And now Rush, Irish whips Nice in the corner, but Nice catches himself. Elbow now moves off the top, lands on his feet. Dodges a clothesline, nips up. Oh, but Leo Rush is ducking a lot of Tony Nice's offence, catches him with a step up in Seguro. Please don't applaud Leo Rush, it'll go to his head. There's the man with the 205 live there. Look at that Buddy Murphy. Looking on, wondering if the winner of this will be his next challenger. Leo Rush throws the 311 boy back in the ring. <coughs> Here comes TJP, who's taking ages to really get involved in this match. He's just been watching the action going on. Oh, but look, the magic he does when he's in the ring. Twin submissions there on Metallic and Leo Rush. Trying to pull Metallic's mask off. We've really seen a nasty side to TJP in recent weeks, but Nice catches him with a go-behind. What was that German suplex by Nice? Well, he's got two pinning combinations on there, but Metallic there to break it up. Throws TJP shoulder first into the ring post. Flying elbow to take out Metallic. Takes Alexander out, who was trying to climb back in the ring. Well, Nice looks on top form here. The premier athlete. And look at that, Dan. Look at his muscles. Look at the guy. It's remnants of the late 1990s, like where they just fucking, halfway through a match, they start posing, you know, like a Scott Steiner, like a Hulk. Body, it would be uh, an offence not to pose during his matches, Dan. I mean, come on now. We all know how good Tony Nice is as he's ripping the head off metallic shoulders. Uh, Tony Nice, the former chat. No, he's not. Not yet, but him and Murphy will dominate 205 Live. This is what we talked about earlier. For years to come. Both very young men. Beautiful back suplex of Metallic kicking out. Uh, and goes back to working over that neck. Alexander making his way back into the ring for a second time. Nice just cuts him off. And it's great strategy by Nice, stopping any other guy getting in. Cutting him off every time he sees it, whilst all the while wearing down Metallic. Leg drop there to Metallic. You know, again, posing. Is he going to flex and tense his muscles? Oh, nice hanging up Metallic. A trio woe. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're now just stumping a mud hole, walking it dry. <laughs> hey, look at this. 
He said about posing and working out at the same time, whilst all the while kicking Metallic. Oh, well, Cedric Alexander rose him up too. Oh, oh nearly caught him posing. Oh, but Nice hangs him inside, turns him inside out with a brutal clothesline. Only managing a two count, though. Two. Well, Alexander should have let Nice finish what he was doing. That's what happens. You pay for it. And now Metallic challenges inner Sin Cara here. Trying to fight out Tony Nice. Now, Nice runs into a kick. No, Metallic fluffed that one. Trying to go for no, Moonsault. I think it was Tony Nice fluffed it. No, it's Couldn't Metallic. catch him. Not strong enough. No, it's Metallic. No, it How dare nice. you say Tony Nice is How not strong enough? How dare you blame the 311 boy? Us Novemberians on the thirds. <laughs> you are a Novemberian. And now Metallic trying to suplex Nice. Oh. Looked like a brain buster there. Goes for a cover. This has got to be it. Tony Nice is going to be out too. Oh, if it weren't for Alexander, Tony Nice would have been toasty Nice. Cedric Alexander starting to build up some steam now. Well, just a sheer height off the springboard. Must have been about seven foot in the air. Half foot in the air. Cedric now trying to beat up Nice, but he's going to be unsuccessful, as I see here, reversing the Irish whip. Oh, oh. Alexander goes down low. Nice is perched in that corner. He going to get height. No, TJP trying to get involved. Gets a kick to the head for his troubles. And Nice gets a knee to his head. Alexander springboards back in, face first into the mat. Tony Nice is over again. Ah, oh, and again having to be saved in this match because he can't kick out. Ah, not at all. He's conserving energy. He knows there's men around the ring. Oh, has he done in. that in most of his matches, conserving energy? Well, it's an important part, especially in multi-man TJP, matches. detonation kick. Oh, no, Leo Rush with the backslide. Let's not forget, Rush is undefeated, Dan, even though he is a knobhead. Who cares? Exactly, who does care? But still, it's a fact. You can go fact yourself, James. And now he's got TJP on top. Rush sent to the outside by TJP. Step up for Metallic. So going to take TJP out with a superplex. But Perkins managing to block it. Alex, give him a hand. Oh, look at Nice. Yeah, slamming away Cedric Alexander, stopping that. And he's got Metallic on his shoulders. TJP went for the cross body. Metallic dodged it. Alexander hit the Machinoku driver. Oh! Frog splash from Leo Rush. He's not. One, two. Oh! Oh, that gets broken up, thank fuck. Kind of that gobby little shit cunt fucking bragging about winning a match. What a match it's been, though. All four, oh, four of the five men giving everything they got. And Leo and Rush. Tony Nice. <laughs> Why haven't we got Tony Nice? Oh, you like you like Leo Rush better than you like Tony Nice? No, it's just because you like Tony Nice. Oh, so far. just because I do. Four great competitors and Leo Rush. Yeah. And Metallic now and Nice exchanging strikes, chops, and forearms. Nice with a super kick to the gut. Oh, Metallic though bouncing, taking out Nice, <clears throat> spinning heel kick from TJP. Oh, now Leo Rush with a super kick taking. TJP down and the roundhouse kick knocking him out and now he's dodging Nice. Misses a spinning back fist and gets caught with a big forearm. <laughs> yeah, that's what Leo you get. Rush has been eliminated from this match. Springboard oh. kick to the head. Goes for cover. One, two. Oh. Yeah. Well, Nice not conserving energy that time. Well, he realised there's no one around so he had to kick out. Uh-huh. The full force of Alexander's kick there as well. Didn't hold back. And the crowd actually into this match as well. Oh. 
Metallic with a kick to the head of Alexander, though. But as he springboards his way in, he gets caught back from Cedric. And now we're going to see Cedric flying. Whoa! Takes out the 311 boy, Metallic. Quickly throws him back in the ring. Is he going to try and finish this one? No, TJP hits him. One, two. Oh! oh. That was nearly TJ3. But it wasn't. He only got two. Two. God, take his mask off. Oh, my him. God. We can see what Metallic looks like. Kick to TJP, though. He has a mouth. It's unbelievable. See, TJP don't care about this match. He just wants to take Metallic's oh. mask off as he throws him against the ropes. Metallic goes flying through, taking out Alexander. And then TJP springing out with a dropkick, taking down Metallic. Oh, and then Leo Rush with a... Kick off the apron and now Nice! Oh! <laughs> hey! Well done, Tony. <laughs> Throws him, Leo Rush, and he lands on the back of his head. Well, the power Nice said to pick up Leo Rush. And then, oh, come on, fucking out. A referee could pick up Leo Rush. He's so uh, small and skinny. And then tossing him outside. Can pay for this. He's throwing Rush back in the ring. That's Go it for now. the cover. One, One two. two. Oh. oh, Cedric breaks it up. Nice kicks away at Cedric with Metallic back in. Can we please see a replay of, of Rush and he breaking his neck there? And he's reversing Metallic in a call now. Metallic with a foot though takes our Nice. Oh, corkscrew bulldog there. No. Oh, Grand Metallic. He's you going up. But is he taking too long though? And TJP's up. Pushes him off. Oh no, don't Oh no. TJP leg bar. Tap, Tony, tap. Tap, Tony, tap. Oh, Nice is too tough. He won't submit here. Tap. No. Tap. He's too tough. Tap. Alexander came in. Cedric, tap. Come on. But he's got caught by the TJP leg bar as well. Oh, but Metallic's stomping on the head of TJP. Oh, shoot to TJP. Holds himself on that rope. Chucks Metallic on the apron. Oh, Wow. That was cool. Well, TJP <laughs> looking for the baseball side to take out Metallic. Metallic jumps up, and as he does that, he springboards off the ropes, takes out TJP, lands on his feet. Beautiful timing that was. Now, Nice up. Oh, no. 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 Leo no. for the super kick. No. Please, God, no. He's actually getting some cheers for the, the love of God. For the love of everything and anything that he's hurt. Oh, thank oh. you, Cedric. No. And Alexander caught and rush now. Second rope. Hurricane runner, but Alexander catches him. Yeah, Lombard check. Oh, Rush was nearly out of the ring there. Going to pick up him and these folks about one, two, three. Nice <laughs> wins. He said he could do it. He beat Cedric Alexander twice in two weeks. The premier athlete. Well, what an amazing performance there by this man. Look at that eight pack. Look at how happy he is. Look how happy I am. Uh, what a match that was, though. Well, not a bad match, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they're protecting Leo Rush, though. Well, uh, maybe it's going to tell more about Alexander's un- unravelling. You know, you see what he did on um, NXT with Johnny Gagano. Maybe they're trying to do it with Cedric after having so much success. Maybe he just can't win the big one anymore. Well, he three came... losses on the bounce. I know, and he came so close. But now he's out of title contention, I'd say. It's, it's Nice and Murphy. Oh, here you go. Replay of Rush getting broken. Well done, Tony. I want to see a lumbar check as well. So, he sells it like the Rock sells a stunner. So what have you thought of 205 Live this month, then? I think it's been very good. Uh, highly entertaining. Fast-paced. It has improved a lot, despite like, having idiots in it, like Mike Kanellis, Leo Rush. But 
I suppose there's people we've got to hate, isn't there? Yeah, but I mean, two and five love has improved so much. We get to see much better matches, taking it back to the kind of CWC days uh, of the wrestlers that going out there and just doing whatever they want. You know, we saw it on display in that five man match, and I think we've seen it throughout. You know, two and five lives these past couple of months. I don't think Buddy Murphy would have been a guy to have an opportunity to do the stuff he's done in ring if it wasn't for 205 Live's new direction. And it's really exciting, you know. Uh, and I hope 205 Live can get stronger and stronger. But now it's time for news. News. Well, Jack Gallagher, over on Gallagher's Instagram page, the WWE Cruiserweight now conducts a weekly post-205 Live questions and answers session on Wednesday nights. Most questions are about topics concerning WWE's Cruiserweight division being super British and a few martial, art, martial arts-related questions. Then brought up former WWE superstar turned aspiring UFC fighter CM Punk and Gallagher had a little fun. Would you go one-on-one with CM Punk? Jack's response, in an MMA fight, at this point, that would be like bullying. What a scoundrel. Well, for the record, Jack Halliger trained catch wrestling and martial arts with the great Billy Robinson and also went 2-0 in MMA during a brief stint in a sport from 2015 to 2016. Well, Gallagher versus Punk in an MMA cage. We'd definitely watch that. Wonderful! Wow! Well, WWE was filming material last month at the Hardy Compound in Cameron, North Carolina, and are scheduled to continue filming this week for the upcoming Matt Hardy series on the WWE Network. Material is currently being put together for a Halloween special that is expected to debut towards the end of the month. The special is going to be a double pilot that could turn into a WWE Network series based on the Hardy family. Queen Rebecca, Senor Benjamin and King Maxwell will be regulars if WWE decides to move forward with those plans. Well, in regards to the segments being filmed... There are reports that they're very much in line with the same types of segments that highlighted on Impact Wrestling episodes. WWE FaceTiming issues when filming due to the flooding at the Hardy family home, which is still dealing with the ramification of that damage. WWE production was able to continue filming after they got a few things together. Hardy has already posted a teaser for the special. I mean, it sounds brilliant, doesn't it? You know, we knew his career after wrestling, and this just makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You know, It does, yeah. Are you happy to see this coming to the network? I'll be happy for it, but I just hope it's nothing like fucking Miss and Mrs. or you know fucking something stupid like. Oh that no, because... I think it's going to be pretty out there. You know, I think it's. It, I think there was one where he's trying to tame a, 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 a kangaroo. It's very kind of you know like ultimate deletion type. You know, so... oh, yeah. we'll, we'll have a look and we'll yeah. report back on whether it's good. Or well, like I said, it should be out by Halloween, so we'll let you know as soon as we see it. Um, but WWE has filed several interesting trademarks in the last week. Most of them are from old wrestling shows. They filed for the following. Saturday night's main event on the 24th of September. WCW Saturday night on 24th of September. WCW Thunder as well on the same day. NWO New World Order on the 21st. All-Star Wrestling on the same day. WCW Monday Nitro on the same day. WWE Hidden Gems on the same day. World Championship Wrestling on the same day. Halloween Havoc on the same day. Full Brawl on the same day. And then Starcade on the 14th of September. The Starcade trademark is being used in November for the live events in Ohio. The other trademarks appear to be for issues related to the WWE Network. Well, WWE has also filed trademarks for NXT superstars Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford, Otis Dozovich, Tucker Knight, Adam Cole, baby, Danny Burch and Al Sullivan. That should be a good sign for all of them. It's not clear if this means they're going to be moved up to the main roster soon with ducks in a row for merchandising. The WWE Network might be undergoing some drastic changes according to a report from PW Insider. 
due to their recent deal with Fox, WWE are looking to add a tiered plan to their streaming service that would offer additional content. Vince McMahon is reportedly overseeing the project and expected to happen in 2019. Well, WWE has toyed with the idea in the past and even thought about doing a free tier back in 2016 that would allow users to stream five hours of archive content and watch a 24-7 live stream with commercials. Other tiers included a cheaper 4 99 offering that had limited pay-per-views, the regular 9.99 one that fans are accustomed to and a premium 40.99 service with additional perks. We've spoken about, I thought we spoke about this about a year ago. We did, we? yeah, yeah. They've been planning it for a long while, yeah. Well, the company already owns the rights to the video library of several prominent independent promotions, notably Progress and Insane Championship Wrestling, and could add a ton of extra content by broadcasting house shows. Either way, nothing is set in stone, and they remain to be seen what WWE will offer if they introduce a premium tier. Yeah, I think I'm up for it. I think I will pay for the extra content, you know what I mean? Uh but that's kind of who I am. <laughs> anyway, I always want the kind of best option on there. But as we talked about many times, until they can actually come into play, then we can have a look at them and see if it's actually worthwhile or not. I think for anybody to actually have the network, I think that's eventually what's going to happen, whether it is a kind of cheaper price, like $5 a month, just for a live stream, do you know? Or Well, you know, that being said, you, you know, you can get the free version. Would that count towards, you know, if people have just signed up for it with an email address and they get limited stuff? Would that count towards their buys? But then also, you know, you've got the the four ninety nine one and one that's a bit more pricey than that with the additional packs. You know, would it try? Would they try and kind of like bluff the numbers of like saying, yeah, we've had like a billion people downloading the yeah, service, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, for free and. But yeah. I, I, I think I agree with you. But at the moment, I don't think the problem is with the amount of subscribers that are there. I think it's like 1.8 in a million. They're, 1.8 at the moment, they're quite happy. One thing that they know, and, and a lot of people, even if WWE fans, any fans of anything, is that if you like a product, you're willing to invest in it a little bit more. So if they do so offer you're, it... So you're saying it's 1.8 million. Uh, uh, is that a year, for the year? Uh, or or 1.8 million current subscribers yeah current subscribers that's yeah. 18 million a month yes 18 million dollars a month yep and then you times that by 20 uh, by 12 so that's like 180 200 million dollars yeah that's what they make it and then they could make from the people who say the the, the million or the, the 800,000 people who are doing it who would pay the extra five dollars and you add that to it as well so they are making so that's adding 50 percent to yeah, amount. exactly. Yeah. So it makes it, you know, it for me. Uh, well, in a business sense, it makes sense because people will. You know, a lot of smart fans watching the network, you know, will do that, and eventually down the line as well, just the regular people who will be like, will kind of feel like they have to have the network whilst watching Raw and SmackDown as right. well. You know, what I mean, so I think there's options there. Anyway, next news story: the original NWO reunites for two sweet fan event on October twenty seventh in Orlando. Well, the original NWO will night on the 27th to put a two-part event that will give fans one of the most in-depth encounters with the original three ever available. The day features Five Called Cafe and Hogan's Beat Shop in Orlando, Florida, and include a live record of Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson's 83 Weeks of Podcast, which is the seventh best podcast in the world, and a two-and-a-half-hour Q&A session with Hogan, Nash and Hall, and the group photo opt at the end of the day. Tickets start at $199, depending on which experience you want to partake in. So check out for the NWA's announcement of the event below and head to Hogan's website to browse packages for this long-awaited reunion event. Now, that's just a standard advert, but this was promoted.com, so you've got to ask yourself why it was actually a story 
on the website itself. Obviously, they're trying to bring Hogan back slowly but surely, aren't they? Well, don't call me Shirley, but yeah, they've, you know, they mention it and, you know, just throwing in subtle hints. I I suppose Velveteen Dream wearing his colours during a takeover match, you know, that's kind of saying, look, you know, I'm I'm black and I'm I'm respecting (laughs) Hogan. You know, it's because he has been done for racism, so it's kind of like... You know, helping him. They'll probably have a bit of this or, you know, Q&A or a little bit of NWS special on the network and then eventually have Hogan again, part of the, the WWE properly, you know. Uh, and for me, I don't know if it seems a bit murky or not, but obviously the, the packages, if you look, are cost a shitload as well. Might be worth it for some people to go see it, but I think, no offence to these guys, there's enough NWO content now that you can go back and get a good feel of it without having to hear another hour and a half of them talking i don't want to be out of order but yeah i don't think there's a lot i can hear now well it's the not an hour and a half it's two and a half hour two question and, and answer session so i don't know but it depends like will everyone get to answer a question and they've got five events so they've got like you know people are going to want to go to more than one you know some of the smart fans yeah. um and then you know, you can get a photo up. I suppose that's going to be... Well, tickets start at $199. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like right at the back. <laughs> you don't get to ask questions. You don't get to take a photo. You don't even get to be close enough to enjoy the experience. But if you want to get closer, you can pay a couple of grand for it. Exactly, so it's yeah. it's money in the pocket of Hogan National Hall. Yeah, that's what basically is, isn't it? Uh, but we spoke about the network. And when WWE launched the network in 2014, the... Uh, service only featured around 1500 hours of on-demand content today its library has over 10,000 hours of content increasing six times in size since launch according to the wwe network review podcast and james you've watched 9999 hours of that content and yeah what's the thought now the WWE Network began by streaming pay-per-view events to subscribers for no additional fees, as well as repeats of Raw, SmackDown, and older footage from past events, giving away its costly pay-per-view events to those with a cheap 9.99 monthly plan. Was to move many criticised was a move many criticised at the time, saying the company had signed its own death warrant by throwing away that revenue. WWE's pay-per-views used to cost around fifty-five dollars to order. God. Do you remember paying for them? No, yeah, I do remember paying for them. Sky, do you know what was shocking the other day? I was flicking through Sky and Super Showdown. You, you could pay twenty uh, quid for it to watch at Sky Box Office, and I thought, do you think anybody actually bought that show? You know, maybe if I, maybe me five ten years ago would have been like, oh yeah, I'm going to have to buy it. But I just found it incredible that they're still charging it for that. What exclusive content aimed at hardcore wrestling fans, basically me, and offering a huge discount at its marquee events, the W Network failed to bring in its initial goal of 1 million subscribers in its opening month, causing its stock to immediately plummet, even in light of its disappointing start. The W Network kept expanding its international availability and added more content. By early 2015, the all-wrestling streaming service finally hit its 1 million subscriber mark. Well, today, the WWE Network boasts well over 1.8 million subscribers in 186 countries and has increased the size of its streaming library to feature over 10,000 hours of content, sending WWE stock stock soaring. Yeah, so the network is doing well at the moment. Uh, So it's only a good thing if we keep getting more and more content. Indeed, yes, but... Well, next news story. Well, my name, yes, my name is... My name's... Alberto Del Rio was in the news and he confirmed on October 1st he plans to return to mixed martial arts in 2019 with promotion Combat America. I'm going to jump back in the cage 
or in the cage for the first time because I used to fight in rings in Mexico and Asia, but never inside the cage, Del Rio said on MMA Hour. Uh, so for 2019, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be fighting in the cage for Combat Americas, Mi Familia, Mi Casa. And I'm not just saying this because my boss is here and he writes my checks. Well, Del Rio, whose real name is Jose Jajegas, made his MMA 2001. He went 9-5 and five in his combat career. Still La- better than Punk. <laughs> Last fight in Mamu Yamamoto in a February 2010 defeat. His biggest fight came against Michael Crow Crop for Pride in October 2003. Crow Crop was victorious with a first-round knockout. <laughs> Well, the end of his MMA career coincided with his WWE debut on August the 20th, 2010 edition of SmackDown. And speaking of SmackDown, SmackDown Live's general manager Paige is fired back against ex-boyfriend Alberto Delia, criticising for commenting on her mental health status. Well, don't make fun of someone who has mental health issues, Paige told Lillian Garcia on the Chasing Glory podcast, the ninth best podcast in the world, because he knew at that point how depressed and how I was like how like I was on rock bottom and how I wanted to kill myself. He knew all that stuff, so so to throw that out there like that, it's pretty mean. Well, uh, uh, let's, let's just uh, sorry quickly, Del Rio replied to a comment regarding his new girlfriend on Instagram's month. Yes, and this one doesn't have more than nine police reports against her or three arrests in different states or committed in two mental hospitals like the one you mentioned did, El Patron said, referring to Paige. Well, we talked about Paige and Patron. That was after someone has said that your new girlfriend is prettier than your last girlfriend, basically. So it's you bloody trolls on the internet causing the trouble. Uh, Paige and uh, Del Rio dated from 26 to 2017, and it basically filled our news story for that year. <laughs> we had an update it did, yeah. every month about them. It was a gift that keeps on giving. But uh, it's not funny, though, because the events led her to have suicidal thoughts and about with anorexia. Oh, you don't talk like that about a woman, especially on the internet for everyone to see. Just keep your mouth shut, Paige told Garcia. If you don't like me, that's fine. We haven't had any contact for over a year. It baffles me. Up next, we've got Sonny. Yay! <laughs> I do love Sonny. Let's, let's start on Sonny. Porn star turned W Hall of Famer Sonny has been released from jail after eight months behind bars. Well, a 45-year-old real name, Tammy Sitch, was arrested in February for contempt and was also charged with being a fugitive from justice. But a spokesperson from the Carbon County Sheriff has confirmed to Pro Wrestling Sheet the wrestling diva legend was released today on... Bombshell, one of W's biggest stars in the 90s, has been on the run from cops for over half a year when her parole was revoked in August 2017 until she was captured and was believed to be facing five years inside. Police have requested the withdrawal of her parole, even though she's been banged up for over half a year. Sonny was arrested on February 27th for failing to answer a court case for two traffic incidents, which included allegations of drink driving. Later, it was discovered her parole had already been revoked a year ago, and there was already a warrant out for her arrest, with both New Jersey and Pennsylvania states having issues with the icon. Sonny, for a hard time since her exit from wrestling, turned to porn and webcam girl work. Already had experience behind bars, so she was direct jailed in 2012 for 114 days after being arrested five times in four weeks. She debuted in WWE in 95 and stayed with Vince McMahon's company for three years until switching to rival promotion ECW. A huge favourite with male wrestling sports, she was named the most downloaded celebrity on the internet by AOL back in 1998. Sporadic appearances on the independent circuit, but she was invited back to WWE in April 2011 to be inducted into their Hall of Fame. She was starred in one adult movie, Sunnyside Up, In Through the Back Door, and offers webcam sessions on Skype. I'm told. 
But she became embroiled in a Twitter row after one of her followers responded to a tweet of hers regarding comments she made several years ago. Uh, after advertising a webcam session, Sonny reported, responded to a man who said he refused to follow her because I'm a half-black man. In an interview, you said you don't like us. In response, Sonny wrote, I'm not racist. Just because I'm not physically or sexually attracted to a black person doesn't make me racist. I'm not attracted to Asians too. The Twitter appeared to be referencing an interview she did for the Q&A series You Shoot in 2012. During it, she says she refused to be an on-screen couple with a wrestler Farouk, real name Ron Simmons, and hit back at rumours she slept with him and another black wrestler, Ahmed Johnson. She said, what's it with the black men? Send a white man my way. Not that I'm racial in any way, shape or form, but I just don't do that. She later claimed in the interview that black athletes love me due to her blonde hair and the boobs and the butt. Well, Sonny then lists a number of names before saying, I don't get any white guys, it's all the black guys. I mean, there are some stories about Sonny. We're going to bring it to you soon, uh, kind of behind the scenes of her in WWE. But unfortunately, she's announced now it's her comeback slash farewell tour. Tammy Sitch announced the following on her Facebook page. I'm pleased to announce that I'm taking bookings for my comeback farewell tour 2018-2019. I'm taking bookings for personal appearances, autograph signings, Wrestling shows and party appearances for what will be my final nine to twelve months of appearances before I call it a wrap. And on that surprise, James, <laughs> Tammy, <laughs> you know you want me. She's you gonna shag me. She would as well. She's returning to school and leading life after next year as a normal member of society. See, my normal member of society. We're a private personal life. Yeah, could you? Yeah, fuck that. Twenty-eight years in this crazy business has been long enough. Well, please direct any bookings in booking inquiries to totallysunny1 at gmail.com. And you joke about that, Dan, but I have booked her. She's here. Sunny! No, she's here for the Christmas special. I cannot wait. We'll be talking about stories of old with her here on the WNL podcast. And she'll blow, she'll blow us as well. Which is great. Well, please do not email for Skype so she will no longer be doing them. I appreciate all of your support over the past 28 years and cherish every moment. Let's make America sunny again for this coming year. Good for her. Why is coming spelled C U M? On to more serious news. The son of Ravishing Rick Rude inducted his father to the Hall of Fame, but now he's in some serious trouble after being arrested last month for a number of seriously fel- serious felony charges. Well, according to a number of news outlets, Richard Bobby Rude, no, Richard Ryan Rude. <laughs> According to a number of news outlets, Richard Ryan Rude was arrested last month and now faces felony charges for a number of crimes, including terroristic threats and possession of firearms during the commission of a crime. That reportedly happened during a traffic stop, and it's said that Rude initially refused to stop for police, and when he finally did, it was clear he was driving under the influences. Like father, like son. Oh, Dan, two champagne bottles were found in his car along with two firearms, and police later learned that he had made threats to cause bodily harm to a 45-year-old woman. Her her identity hasn't been revealed. Now, Rude is charged with two felony counts of possession of a firearm during the commission of his crime, obstruction officers, a violation of having an open container, simple assault, and disorderly conduct. The most serious charge appears to be a felony for making terroristic threats, and he could be facing jail time. As always, it will be sh- we'll be sure to keep you updated, so stay tuned for further details. WWE Crown Jewel. WWE have been urged to move the location of the upcoming pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia amid serious backlash. Also the name of a WWE pay-per-view. It will be Judgment Day for them. No mercy. All right, James. There's no way out. All right, James. All right. 
breakdown of communication. <laughs> the Middle East Kingdom and WWE signed a lucrative 10-year business partnership earlier this year to stage exclusive shows. That includes the November 2nd event in Rahad, which is set to showcase a triple threat WWE Universal title match between champion Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar. But following the controversial death of US resident journalist Kamal Khashoggi, alleged to have happened inside the Saudi Arabia concert in Istanbul, WWE is understood to be seriously considering one key change to the Crown Jewel show amid a backlash. Just days after the pay-per-view, WWE heading across the Atlantic on their final UK tour of the year, with their flagship Raw and SmackDown live shows taking place in Manchester, England, England. Report Crown Jewel may even be scrapped completely within, with the focus shifted to Survivor Series in LA later in the month. Well, as of this week, WWE is still promoting the November 2nd event, although they did release a statement following reports that their superstars were not happy about the prospect of travelling to Saudi Arabia. WWE superstars have spoken to Sports Illustrated to tell their concerns regarding the Crown Jewel event. The news only compounded what is becoming an increasingly controversial situation. After the mainstream media attention, WWE's deal with Saudi Arabia has been following the suspect murder of journalist Jamal. Well, the questions about Crown Jewel and WWE's dealing with Saudi Arabia are not going away. The company has done their bit to squash any talk of discontent in the ranks about taking part in the show. In what is a very brief statement indeed, W told the US New York Post... As always, we maintain an open line of communication with our performers as we continue to monitor the, monitor the situation. Situation. Well, despite all the uproar surrounding the event, Crown Jewel does appear to be going ahead. That is unless President Donald Trump or the US State Department says otherwise. The event was plugged numerous times during Raw, with a big universal type match between Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, plus a tag team match between the Brothers Instruction and DX taking centre stage throughout. Interestingly, however, whenever Michael Cole, Corey Graves and Renee Young talked about Crown Jewel, they failed to mention where it is taking place. We know it's happening in three weeks. We know it's available to see on the WWE Network for 9.99, but that's it now. There was no mention of the show's location. Well, in a near 20-minute segment on last week's Tonight, uh, Oliver detailed the cosy... John Oliver detailed the cosy and lucrative relationship between the US and Saudi Arabia, specifically Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS as he's often called. Well, determined to position the kingdom in a new and more progressive worldwide light, MBS, as Oliver put it, struck a 10-year deal with one of the most popular and most American franchises there is, WWE. The first WWE event staged in April, but the big appropriately titled Crown Jewel pay-per-view is set for November the 2nd in Riyadh. Well, the April event, as Oliver described it, Provided the kingdom with global waterball propaganda about the new Saudi Arabia, including a video showing women happily driving, men dancing, and a tourist destination beauty spots, as well as constant excited compliments throughout the broadcast. As Oliver pointed out, a much grimmer story was going on in Saudi Arabia even then. For example, women who had campaigned for driving rights had been arrested, even as their accomplishment was being heralded. The WWE itself had bent the walls of the Saudis on the issue, of its female wrestlers, leaving them out of the ring under deal per lo- local custom. And now, with all but the certain murder of the journalist, W's Crown Jewel event is everything but, after showing a clip of wrestler actor John Cena expressing a genuine thank you to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, that moment in the last week tonight's segment comes in around the 7.50 mark. Oliver said it seems that W is an overly pro-Saudi Arabia, as it's only homoerotic, which is to say intensely. When contacted by Deadline, a WWE rep said the company is monitoring the situation in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund took a minority stake in the Deadline 
and Variety own a PMC earlier this year for a reported $200 million. Well, the Sports Illustrated Post said that multiple members of the W Talent roster expressed discomfort with the idea of forming Saudi Arabia. John Cena, a wrestling A-lister, has crossed over to make, has not made any kind of public statement as yet. In the last week's Tonight segment, he showed offering a genuine thank you to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia for the middle of the ring at the April event. WWE stock dipped a fraction today, closing at $84.97, while it has had a banner... 2018. It has slipped more than 10% in October to date, though any link to the Khashoggi situation has not been clearly established. Well, former WWE superstar John Defensive WWE for continuing their plans to run the Crown Jewel event. Layfield was on Fox Business this morning and made it clear that he thinks WWE is making the right decision despite reports about wrestlers not wanting to go to Saudi Arabia. He said, from what I understand, yes, the idea is WWE going to go there. The official line is that they're monitoring the situation. Situation. My personal opinion is that they should go. Layfield falsely claimed that the first women's match in the Middle East was put on by WWE. Actually, Impact Wrestling did it years before WWE. Layfield also ripped on the US Senators who called on WWE to pull out Saudi Arabia. For these guys to hide behind their patriotism and share and show their flag waving to me, I just think to try and prove the abysmal approval ratings to me is wrong. Now, the, the, the thing about this story is the news has come out more recently as well and saying that he got involved in the fight with the, the Saudi Arabian uh, embassy. And, and that's what happened there. But there's details about the kind of room being repainted and re-cleaned and a kind of private jet for the people leaving that. So that's a whole mess for them. For Donald Trump, it is as well because in Saudi Arabia, kind of given to the US government as well. And a check went through last week when Donald Trump was defending it. Personally, Lodan, take out all the politics and everything like that, do you think WWE should be going to Saudi Arabia? It is a tough, controversial one, but I don't think they should for the benefit of their whole... For the benefit of the whole, there's so many more places they could go to get a good sellout crowd, to get a good lucrative deal, and yeah, I, I, I don't think there's need for them to be in Saudi Arabia whatsoever. No. I mean, they're going to lose maybe 16 million from this where it is, but the money doesn't really matter. They could relocate to England as well. I'm not saying Wembley in a two weeks' notice, but if you put that event on in England, that it would be sold out within a you know a week or so. The tickets have been suspended for that event so far. They said they're going to go back on sale November second, which is the actual date the event starts. So. We, we we don't know, but they're still promoting it, aren't they, at the moment? We st- we've sort of smacked down one thousand. Well, as you say, you know, they're promoting it, but they're withholding the location of it. They're saying Crown Jewel. We know when it is. We know it's going to be on the network, but we don't know where it is. Yeah, so it's a real horrible situation. Situation. For everybody involved. Next news story. Yes, WWE SmackDown star Starlet Flair is being sued by her ex-husband, according to a report from TMZ. According to recent filed legal documents filed by Ricky Paul Johnson, he's asking for $5 million in damages against Charlotte, Ric Flair and WWE. Can I just suck he spell R-I-K-I is the most fucking ridiculously retarded fucking name there is. And just on that alone, he should have to pay $5 million. <laughs> But anyway, Ricky says his issue is with Charlotte's Second Nature book that was written together with her dad and promoted by WWE. Johnson says Flair's wrote negative things about his relationship with Charlotte and says she falsely claimed that he is sterile and not able to have children. Ricky and Charlotte were married from 2010 to... Ricky says the allegations humiliate his family, including his three children, who he says are the subject of ridicule and shame. He also says that the book includes multiple false allegations, physical and or psychological abuse. 
He's also upset because he says the Flares wrongly claimed that he was fired from two jobs due to illicit drug use and says the book intentionally paints him as the villain and Charlotte is portrayed as a victim who overcame personal adversity and domestic abuse. WWE's issued a statement said they're following, uh, uh, closely following the situation. situation. <laughs> WWE issued the following statement. We recently received what appears to be a meritless lawsuit and will vigorously, de- vigorously defend ourselves. Does Ricky spell R-I-K-I? Not actually know what happens when you file a lawsuit against WWE. <laughs> They're going to take you to court. It's going to cost more than $5 million, but you're going to ultimately lose. And you're going to fall out with your best friend as well with it. But anyway, on to arrivals. Oh, we'll be fucking yeah. go. Well, Matt Riddell made his NXT in-ring debut September the 21st live event in Stanford, Florida by defeating Fabian Eichner. Well, Riddell made his NXT debut by appearing in the crowd at last month's NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. At the show, he Riddell wrestled barefoot. His last in the appearance was for Progress at Wembley Arena in England on September 30th against Mark Haskins. Well, NXT, NXT's talented women's division continues to grow, according to Wrestling Insider, who has proven himself reliable at breaking NXT-related news in the past. Former NXT Knockouts champion, where she was known as Laurel Van Ness, the hot mess. Chelsea Green has signed with WWE and she's said to have reported to the Performance Centre in Orlando, Florida this week. Well, the signing shouldn't be too much of a surprise as Green had a very public tryout at the Performance Centre recently. She was also one of the top unsigned talents and would be said to be eyeing wrestling's biggest promotion. Chelsea Green reported to the WWE Performance Centre this week and has been signed by WWE. Well, interestingly, another potential NXT star has also spotted the Performance Centre as well. The Rock's daughter, Simone Johnson, who's previously been seen training there last month, was once again there, so it looks like she's taken wrestling training very seriously. Well, that little van there, she was actually quite a very good character in NXT. Okay. Uh, sorry, in TNA. Well, Rey Mysterio's 21-year-old son, Dominic Gutierrez, wants to follow in his father's footsteps of being a professional wrestler. So much so, in fact, that he's begun a three-month training session with former WWE and WWE star Lance Storm at his Storm Wrestling Academy in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Well, can I just be serious for a moment, please? (laughs) Well, Mysterio broke the news himself on Instagram. Well, back in 2016, it was noted that Dominic was gearing up to begin his professional wrestling training. Mysterio had obviously been very interested in helping his son prepare for the potential career opportunity. Gutierrez has major ex- uh, Gutierrez has experience on WWE TV, where he was a child, playing a major role in a storyline between Eddie Guerrero and his father. Yeah, Dominic was on the line in the ladder match at SummerSlam. It's been noted before that return for WWE for Mysterio would also be enticing because it could open up the WWE Performance Center for Gutierrez to train at. He signed a two-year deal with WWE, but it's unknown if that was part of the deal. Well, former Ring of Honor TV champion Punishment Martinez has signed with WWE, according to sources. Well, Martinez had a reputation for himself during his days in Ring of Honor, developing into one of the brightest young stars of the company's roster. He now arrives in WWE with a look of a star, an in-ring skill that set that may not be polished, but features abilities and tools that W officials can use to their advantage. Well, completely different than the other stars on the NXT roster, he should find relatively quickly. Well, that's as long as he can prove to the trainers at the Performance Centre why Ring of Honor had the trust in him that they did. Yes, and uh, we go on from arrivals to departures. And Neville has made his first pro wrestling appearance since quitting WWE last year at the Dragon Gate event in Japan. Neville, using his old name Pac, joined the R.E.D. stable as Elta's mystery partner at day one of Dragon Gate's Gate of Victory event. It was reported in last week's issue of the Red Letter that Neville has not been responding to promoters as best they can tell. 
and has evident has essentially gone off the grid. Neville was reportedly previously in talks with some promotions. However, he says that he wasn't ready to start yet due to legal issues. Neville had been unhappy with W Creative and tried to get his release when he quit the company back in October 2017. W officials did not grant the release when he quit because they did not want to set a precedent where talents under contract could walk out and go to New Japan, which is where it was expected Neville would end up. Neville's contract was then frozen for 10 months before his release was granted. Well, Neville is scheduled to return to Dragon Gate for a match on November the 6th. So if you do want to see Neville, go to Dragon Gate and watch him as Pac. He has definitely left the WWE now. And it definitely wasn't him that injured <laughs> Alistair Black. It on definitely NXT. wasn't. We might find out who did it later on in NXT Update. Speaking of injuries... And speaking of NXT, Pete Dunne is currently dealing with a foot injury, though the extent of the injury is not known at this time. Exactly known when the injury went down. He last wrestled on September 30th when he took on Ija Drunikov at the Hello Wembley show for Progress Wrestling. He was noticeably limping during the match, picking up the win. The injury expects to keep him out of action at the NXT tapers, though, according to Dave Meltzer. Destiny Wrestling, an independent promotion out of Canada, says he's also pulled out of wrestling there this coming weekend. He was also set to wrestle SEMA before the September the 30th Progress Show for the second night of the Fight Club's Pro Mayhem on the 29th of September. The match did not take place as scheduled, but did appear on the first night in a non-wrestling capacity. Well, the next set of UK tapings, NXT UK television tapings, took place at the Plymouth Pavilions in Plymouth, England on October 13th and 14th. So... Let's hope Pete Dunne can make a speedy recovery soon as he is the NXT UK, NXT UK champ. Yes, Owens was written off television on Monday the 8th of October when Bobby Lashley beat him down as part of a heel turn for Lashley's character and for Leo Rush's Raw 1 or 2, I guess. Although Rush was essentially playing a bad guy on 205 Live with essentially the same gimmick. The initial reports say it was a storyline and we all started guessing whether his injury hiatus would last longer than his one-week walk-off. Well, then word come out that he really was dealing with knee issues, but it's probably something minor like a routine scope or a meniscus tear, the kind of thing that could only keep you out for weeks, but no longer than a month or two. Well, now sources are saying that there's a fear behind the scenes that KO could be out for much longer. While there's still no official diagnosis being reported, it's looking like we should expect to be without the prize fighter on our screens for at least four months. It's possible he could be out for as many as eight months. Well, those time frames may sound more like an ACL repair could be on the docket and would mean Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, Mania, and even 2019's Money in the Bank could be owned free. On the bright side, this could line his return up with Sami Zayn and to return as babyfaces, but to take out the man who kayfabe them both out. But let's hope we don't have to work that hard for reasons to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, we, we're guessing about six months. So, what, so six months from here now, he might be back by Mania, but you're probably looking at the, the night after, stuff like that. He posted a picture with both of his uh, legs in plaster as well yeah. after having surgery. So, uh, let's hope for Kevin Owens. He's been brilliant this year, hasn't he, really? And I think he's going to be a guy that's missed on the main roster. Yep. <coughs> and on to deaths. Yeah, yeah. now it's time for deaths. As noted, the Mormon giant Don Leo Jonathan passed away at the age of 87. W put a statement about Jonathan. WWE is saddened to learn that Don Leo Jonathan has passed away at the age of 87. 
a second generation performer, Jonathan was one of the most feared big men for his era. From the 1950s throughout the 70s, the Hurricane Utah native was a box office attraction from across the globe. Weighing as much as £340 during his career, the Mormon Giants' adaptability allowed him to wrestle a scientific match or brawl with the best of them, depending on the situation. Situation. More times than not, Jonathan's spinning full Nelson would spell defeat for his opponent. The six foot six competitor had great rivalries against the likes of Andre the Giant, Killer Kowalski and Gene Kinski. And the WWE Championship matches against Bruno San Martino and Pedro Morales. Would WWE extend its condolences to Jonathan's family, friends and fans? WWE issued the following statement on the passing of Dirty Dick Slater. WWE's Dirty Dick. WWE sounded to learn that Dick Slater has passed away at age 67. Slater was a prolific competitor during the 1970s and 1980s in Georgia Championship Wrestling, Mid-South Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, where he teamed with WWE Hall of Famer Bob Orton and had a memorable rival with WWE Hall of Famer Jake the Snake Roberts. Slater competed in WWE from 1986 to 1987 before moving to Japan and finishing his in-ring career in WCW. WWE extends its condolences to Slater's family, friends and fans. So that's two big ones this month. A dirty Dick Slater. And of course, let's not forget about the Mormon giant. They will be missed. Dirty Dick. <laughs> but how can we cheer ourselves up after that? Well, Dan, I guess it's to go for the crown of the WNR podcast. And that is NXT Update. And I just have one question for you. When does NXT Update start? Now! So we move on to NXT update, and it's the 19th of September, 2018. It's episode 469. Well, the hype for the main event before we open, and afterwards with Mauro Ronaldo, Percy Watson, Slash Jackson, and Nigel McGuinness. And then the action begins. It's Lacey Evans and Elia, or Numph, defeating Dakota Kai and Diana Parazzo via pinfall on Kai by Evans after the women's right. Well, Peruzzo and Evans start things with a technical standstill, which includes some taunts from each. Numph comes in to punish the Virtuosa, which allows Dakota to light Aaliyah up with kicks. Diona comes back in and almost gets Lacey in a armbar via a counter from a tilt-well backbreaker. But Evans fights it off and hits Peruzzo with a forearm in the back to start a sequence of quick tags as the NYC entrant played face in peril. The first lady with near falls after a Bronco Buster and the knee drop onto the Virtuosa's arm. Well, a liar or numph is in for more, but Diona gets a free for a tag. Fleuria kicks and a cover after two. Two. But Lacey breaks it up. She gets a blind tag, comes in with a finisher, and that's it. Velveteen Dream meets with the press. He answers a question about carrying the momentum from his Brooklyn win over EC3 by saying the questioner should have watched him beat Johnny Failure on the award-winning WWE Network. He refuses to answer the question about who attacked Alistair Black because it's not about the dream. Street Profits are leaving the basketball court when they're approached by a fan recording on a camera since Street Talk was just two. Two. They want her to be... They want her to be asked the question. 
first. Montel's and Angela Dawkins laugh off a question about who won on the court. Then Ford angrily answers why they lost to the Forgotten Sons when the Mighty stole their chains. He disagrees with the interviewer that they said they just chains. They represent the culture, their struggles against an obstacle, and prove to their mothers that they made it. They leave and get in Montel's sports car, but thank the woman for a great episode. Some highlights of last week's main event, then Bianca Belair's interview from after the match, released on YouTube last week, is shown making it clear their issues aren't over. Jason Jackson Riker defeated Humberto Carrillo via pinfall following a springboard release powerbomb. It was a bit of a squash match. Riker showed intensity and basic power game. Carrillo got separation when he got his boot up on the charge, but he leapt into double axe handles and a second later, and then it was over. General Manager William Regal and his investigator pal interview Candice LeRae. She says that she didn't see anything, but it sounds to her like something Tommaso Ciampa would do. Regal says they spoke to Ciampa, and there's no evidence it was him. He has to ask, given her husband's state of mind, can she vouch for Johnny Gagano's whereabouts? She says they've been trying to keep the personal and professional life separate these days, but after the GM announced the triple threat, Johnny told her to sit tight. Then he went to the locker room, and they left together after he changed. It sounds to me. Regal accepts this, but teases he might need to question her again later. We get a Keith Lee Height video explaining what Limitless means and inviting us to bask in his glory. We get a flashback to EC3 implicating Lars Sullivan in the attack on Black and Sullivan taking him out for it. Lars will be in action next week and we also get Otis Dozovich versus Chompa. Ricochet versus Pete Dunne for the North American and United Kingdom Championship is our main event. So it is the winner-take-all championship match. This is for all the bananas. We've got Ricochet, the North American champion, going against our very own the United Kingdom champion, Pete Dunne. Spotlights is a big fight, Phil. This should be a tremendous matchup. We've talked about Ricochet. Pete Dunne has not delivered a bad match that I've watched on WWE, Dan. I don't know about you. No, he's always performing out of his skin. An absolute brilliant talent. And again, with Ricochet, you know, he hasn't had a bad match either. Oh, so. well, Rick- Ricochet's phenomenal, isn't he? You know, not to take anything away from AJ Styles, but Ricochet's so great. Has he really... Delivered everything in an NXT ring yet? No, there's a lot more to come. And I feel in this match here, we will see it as the referee holds lost both titles. Pete Dunne's hold down to the UK title over 500 days. Because Ricochet beating Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver. So who are you backing in this one, Dan? I'll be stupid not to back my man, Rick. Uh, I've got to say Pete Dunne for me, not just to go against you. Yes, it is. I love Ricochet, but I mean, Pete Dunne. Is just so good, and we've got a dual chant going on. Well, now. just like us, the crowd is spilling and bruise away. So what does Ricochet have to do if he wants to get one over on Pete Dunn? He just has to stay away from Pete Dunn's physical assault and just try and keep things at a distance, try and use his speed and aerability to just keep away from him. Well, I don't think Pete Dunn's too slow, and I think technical wise, I think Pete Dunn might have the edge here as we see him nip up. After a little exchange between the two, one thing uh, Pete Dunne can't do is let Ricochet gain any speed or traction in this. If he starts hitting all his moves, how quick he is, Pete Dunne won't know what's hit him. He's got to slow him down. And if that is working over the joint or working over a leg, then to try and tame Ricochet. Something that no one's been able to do at the moment in NXT. My records, I think he's only lost one match, and that was a ladder match, so he didn't get pinned. Therefore, he didn't lose the match. Whereas Pete Dunne has just been brilliant this past, well, let's say 500 days being UK champion. 
Now Ricochets might try to work the hand, but Pete Dunne's not going to let it. But it's looking as if Ricochet can be as technical as Pete Dunne. Well, the problem was then he grabbed the wrist lock. <clears throat> he didn't see Pete Dunne putting the weight on his foot, pushing down by the ear. And now he's got the hand, and we've seen the joint manipulation, the way he can bend back the hand and the fingers. Well, Ricochet's managing to roll through and trying to alleviate the pressure. Pete, I don't know if Pete Dunne needs to concentrate on other parts of Ricochet's body because, you know, even without his hands, Ricochet's still going to be able to fly around that ring. Well, Ricochet's, Ricochet's dangerous no matter what, but I think it's exactly the same with Pete Dunne. He's been taken to the limit a few times and managed to stay in there. You know, people like Tyler Bate and in the UK tournament earlier this year. So Dunne's uh, had to fight and, oh my God, twisting the arm of Ricochet. But again, Ricochet managing to roll through, reverse the force back onto Pete Dunn's arm. Well, Ricochet don't want to be down there for too long. So the hand caused him a little bit of trouble, but he's still got a submission in. Ricochet's keeping it technical as well, trying to match Pete Dunn move for move. And what's very clever as well, he's make sure his hand gets a little bit of a rest, make sure he's not applying any pressure on that. That's a nice takedown to Pete Dunn. Works on Pete Dunn's legs. And I don't think I've ever seen the NXT crowd so split. In a match, but that was nice by Ricochet then. And that's it, he's got some separation and distance from Pete Dunn. He's just got his legs tied up in like a leg version of the Texas Cloverleaf. But Pete Dunn knows exactly what pressure points to hit as he's turned it round now. And Ricochet's probably thinking to himself, how did I end on the bottom of that? And Dunn trying to get the arm, but Ricochet sneaks out under. Yeah, he's got a hammerlock locked in now. Yeah, thanks, Mara, you fucking... And now Ricochet's got the arm of Pete Dunn. Turns it into a pin in the top, only getting a one count. One. And Dan's done, still kept hold of that leg. And, and now he's, he's got turned... now his own version of the inverted Texas Cloverleaf with the legs. And that was beautiful there by Pete Dunn. Ricochet struggling to get to that bottom rope. But at this moment, it's probably more of annoyance than it is anything else. I can't remember, <coughs> I can't remember the last time I saw Ricochet submitting. Pete Dunn's such an artist in the ring, the way he moves about. He's got the legs locked now. It's like a sit-down bow and arrow. He's got a hold of the hand. And again, manipulating the wrist. Trying to get the left arm locked back as well. And Ricochet fighting with everything he's got. But done. He's got to roll up with him. Right into the bow and arrow. Ricochet managing to get out of it. Turns it into a pin attempt. Again, only getting a one count. One. But done again, back on the offense. Now Pete Dunn's got the jaw of Ricochet. Trying to twist that back. He's got the arm locked behind and a hammer lock as well. Just causing as much discomfort for Ricochet as he possibly can. Well, it looked like maybe go for a rings of Saturn, but Ricochet realised that. Managed to escape, even though they're still connected with each other. Ricochet's got the arm of Pete Dunne now. Maybe Ricochet wants to show he can do plenty of other things in the ring, as opposed to high-flying as well. Drops a knee to the shoulder of Pete Dunne. And again, Ricochet certainly is holding his own against Pete Dunne so far in this match. He's proven a point, showing that he's there. He can do everything, you know, as Pete Dunne. Clear break, but oh! But Pete Dunne comes straight out of a big forearm to the jaw. Well, normally I would argue against it, but with both championships on the line, Pete Dunne knows what it takes to get the job done. I think this is one of the biggest matches in NXT history here tonight. Dunne will do whatever it is to be on the winning end. And after a bit of uh, technical wrestling, we're going to get the strikes now. Turn into a bit of a slugfest as Ricochet's coming back with some chops and forearms of his own. A nice uppercut catching Dunn, but <coughs> I think Pete Dunn likes it. 
Elbow to the face. Irish Riplow reversed by Dunn. Ricochet rolling over the back of Dunn. Flipping through. Oh, Ricochet getting the head scissors takedown. Lovely leaping vertical drop kick. Well, I don't know of anybody quicker. I know I know we talk about you know Leo Rush maybe two oh five live, Ray Mysterio back in the day, but Ricochet, oh my god. Suicide dive. And this one was actually meant for Pete Dunn, uh, as opposed to his accidental one when they had the tag match together. And Dunn on the outside, Ricochet gonna throw him in. No shenanigans there. Pete Dunn running the ropes, but Ricochet dodged it again. Looking for that head scissors takedown a second time, but Pete Dunn had it scouted. And now he's going for the toes. Oh, my God. And he twisted the ankle as well. Oh! Oh, and as Ricochet is worrying about his ankle, Pete Dunn just kicks the hand out from underneath him. And how many times I've said this watching Pete Dunn, but I would never want to wrestle him. No. He just looks like yeah, an, yeah. an evil guy. He could have possibly kicked the arm off there of Ricochet. And a kick across the back just for good measure. Just taking his time now with Ricochet trying to slow it down. Grabs the arm, presses Ricochet to the canvas. Back in Pete Dunn territory. He's just stood on the jaw <laughs> as he's trying to lock the arms up together. He's got his hand trapped in like between the legs. And he's working him back, maybe like a Boston crab on the floor, all the while twisting his arm. Oh my god, now Dunn's got the fingers. Oh, oh. twisted him <laughs> back. Oh, my God. He's going to end up breaking the hand of Ricochet. He's got the wrist. <laughs> He's just got Ricochet's arms locked back. Both of them together in a double hammerlock. Fans chanting and fight. And he just stomps <laughs> on the side of his head. <laughs> You're right. It's just vicious Pete Dunn. Fans chanting fight forever. I would agree with him for now. Now he's just got the ear of Ricochet. And just a kick in the gut. Ricochet knows all the places, uh, Pete Dunn knows all the places to hit you and it's going to hurt. He's like a surgeon in this thing as Ricochet tries to clothesline, but Dunn's still got hold of the wrist, managing to kick him. Ricochet with another clothesline, but Dunn's still got hold on. Oh, Dunn ducks the third attempt and just goes back to that wrist. Hand on the floor, is he going to stomp on the elbow? Oh! oh. Ricochet managing to move this time. Oh! He just gets grabbed by the throat and a slap across the face. Ricochet rolls through. Turns Dunn inside out with a clothesline. And that might have done some serious damage to Pete Dunn. Looked a bit shocked that Ricochet could recover so quickly. Big NXT chance, both men getting up. Ricochet, can he feel it? It's both men in the opposing corners. Comes well in with the uppercut, then hits a huge forearm. 6-1-9. And here comes Ricochet springboarding back in. And an uppercut, nearly knocking Pete Dunn out of his boots. Ricochet go for the cover. Oh. Only getting a two count, though. Two. Oh, what a pleasure it is to watch two of the best in NXT. What an annoyance it is to listen to Mauro Ronaldo, though. Everything's so fucking extreme. <laughs> He's got Pete Dunn up on his shoulders. This is for the two championships. And then Ricochet, oh, maybe looking for the TKO. Dunn lands on his feet, goes for the kick. Ricochet dodges it, nips up. Throws Pete Dunn into a corner. He backflips over Ricochet and then catches him with a step up in Seguri. And now he picks up Ricochet's suplex. Oh! But Ricochet runs through, lands on his feet, running shooting star press to... Oh! Only getting two and a half again! Only two there, Dan. Two! (laughs) Our next live show, we'll talk about your annoyance with Mario and Arlo, and I'll prove to you why you're wrong. 
How long have we got? <laughs> <laughs> we got a month for fair. But everything he says is just so damn extreme. Well, Ricochet now on the outside. He's climbing up to the top. Pete Dunn manages to roll out the way. Ricochet goes to the other corner. Boots away, Pete Dunn. Rolls back into him. Oh! But Pete Dunn just picks the arm out of the air and he's got a f- cross arm breaker on. And now he's got the wrist as well, bending that back. Ricochet, Ricochet rolling through for a pinning attempt, even though Pete Dunn's right shoulder's not down. Well, Dunn have to release that. Ricochet, oh my God. Standing moonsault, but Dunn moved. And he just stomps on the hand as well as he's getting up. Oh, my God. Well, there's not a way to call that. He's just stomping on the hand. And referee having a word with him. And that is maybe... Is that too far? Done smirking. No, James hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's just got a smile on his face because he knows he could potentially beat Ricochet at this moment. Oh, my God. Huge impact there. Ricochet with a knee to Pete Dunne. Might knock him out. Ricochet's on the apron. There comes it. Ricochet springboard him in. Oh! Just gets caught with a big forearm. Knocks him out of the air. Oh, my God. Now, Dunn picks him up. Oh! Exploder in. Suplex pin. Oh, my God. Ricochet just managing to kick out. Uh That fucking fat bird in a purple T-shirt. Sit down, you fat fuck. Huh? Me? I look like the honey monster. Huh? That's your ex, Dan. That's why you're being so rude to her. Bad breakup, was it? Yeah. Oh, huge NXT chart and everybody's enjoying it. And Pete Dunn looking to put away Ricochet. Is this going to be the bitter end? He's got him. Oh, Ricochet spins over. though, lands on his feet looking for a German. But Pete Dunn lands on his feet. Delivers a kick to the back of Ricochet's head. <clears throat> Screams, comes running in. But Ricochet catches him. Step up in security to send Dunn to the outside. And Ricochet, is he going to look to fly again? Here he comes over the top. Oh, no. Pete Dunn running out of the way, but Ricochet just flips over the rope, lands on the edge of the ring apron. Looking to take Pete Dunn out with a moonsault from the turnbuckle. Pete Dunn moves out of the way. Ricochet lands on his feet, catches Ricochet with a forearm to the face and just turns him inside out on the edge of the ring apron. And this is it now. He's got him in a bitter end. Ricochet again managing to dodge it. Oh! oh. Reverse Hurricane Runner goes for the cover, but Dunn kicks out. Uh. Oh, my God. What is going on here? That's unbelievable stuff. What in the hell was that? How did he manage to kick out of that? Come on, Mr. Muncher. Sit down, you fat fuck. People behind you can't see. And this is awesome chance. This is awesome chance. Ricochet trading blows with Dunn. But Dunn's got a hold of the wrist. Again, working back on the hand. How can it be up before Ricochet? Oh, both feet, uh, both feet on both of Ricochet's hands. Oh! Stomping on him. And then a kick to the head as he's worried about his fingers. Ricochet delivers a kick to Pete Dunn. Counter by counter. Well, step up and skewered by Dunn. Ricochet's shoulder roll up and Dunn caught with a clothesline. Turn him inside out now. Dunn, going to run the ropes. Ricochet ducking. Oh, handspring. Turns it into a DDT and just plants Pete Dunn. Oh, my God. Goes for a cover. Two. Oh. Pete Dunn just managing to kick out. Uh Well, Ricochet can't believe it. Huge NXT chance. And what a match it's been. And now Ricochet looking to finish this. 
<laughs> Going up top, perhaps with a 450. We've had this is awesome chance. What a 580. Oh, but Dunn realised this. It goes to the apron. Ricochet spotting him, grabs him by the hair. And now both guys are in a very precarious position. Oh, now Dunn has got the wrist of Ricochet up the top. Ricochet responding with some big rights to the midsection. Oh, this doesn't look good for Pete Dunn at the moment. Ricochet on the top. And so is Dunn. Both men in a very precarious position. Oh, my Hurricane God. Hurricane Rana off the top. Ah, it's unbelievable. Dunn somehow still getting up. Ricochet. Axe kick to the back of Dunn's head. Oh, face first into the mat for the cover. One, One two. two. Oh. But Dunn still somehow managed to kick out. Uh. Unbelievable stuff. How did he survive that onslaught? And the fans chanting both their names. And the fans chanting both their names. If you don't know which way this is going to go. Ricochet, four, Springboard 450. But Pete Dunn catches him in the triangle. And Dunn can't be pinned like this. And he's bent back the wrist. And Ricochet might tap. Ricochet might be losing the North American title. And he's trying to fight this. But Dunn's still got hold of him. And Ricochet... No, he can't pick up Pete Dunn. Powers him up. Oh, bomb. Ricochet screaming, but Dunn's still got hold of the hand. Well, he's giving him a reason to scream now by just wrenching his fingers back. And now he's going for the Kimura. And Ricochet in serious trouble. <clears throat> he's got a Kimura lock, but he's holding him with his middle finger, just bending it right back. Well, this must be agony for Ricochet. And Dunn puts the arm around Pete Dunn and Ricochet picking up Dunn. The power of Ricochet. Sitting suplex. Incredible! It really is. Ricochet's shown he's got the power, he's got the technical skill, he's got the heart determination to survive, but so is Pete Dunn. One and only. Bruiser weight. Both men are physically, emotionally, and mentally drained from this bout, but neither of them want to give up as they start slapping each other whilst kneeling down. And I oh, fuck off. See? Oh. Isn't this why everyone hates the fucking undeserving era? Oh, come on now. I was... Not like this. Not an NWO-type fucking thing. No, the NWO were actually very good. Oh, come on now. Here come the War Raiders. Now look how undisputed they scuttle away. Fucking bitches. Well, they're going to get theirs. And look at Cole. So happy what he's done. Oh, my God. Hanson Rowe going right after the Unsputed Era. And after that, it's a double DQ. We're going to see a sign of respect from these two warriors of the ring. And the fans chant both these guys, <laughs> which you don't hear rarely. I don't think ever. No. Unbelievable stuff. What a match. Incredible match. Well, we wondered how NXT would survive after people like Finn Balor or Nakamura, Bobby Roode. Drew McIntyre when they moved up. And now we wonder how it survived before these guys came in. This is the crazy thing about it. Ricochet and Pete Dunn, two stop, top stars in NXT, deliver a classic. Dan, what else can you add to that match? Well, um, I think we called it beforehand, though, didn't we? Especially with Ricochet, after seeing him live, we both earmarked him for greatness. And, you know, he's probably produced one of the best matches of the year. Until it got fucking rudely interrupted by them undeserving twats. Well, let's hope there's a rematch between Pete Dunne and Ricochet down the road. 
So let's move on to our next episode of NXT, which is September 26th, episode 470. We get the new fangled Len, now forever video, and then Mauro Ranallo, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Jackson slash Watson welcome us to the full sale after the NXT theme, the general manager's music hits. Well, William Regal says he feels like he's getting closer to finding out who attacked Alistair Black, but he's interrupted by, yes, you guessed it, the undeserving era. Adam Cole says week after week, instead of doing his job, Regal comes out and plays Sherlock Holmes. Roderick Strong loves that show and wants the GM to do his job and prevent future attacks like the ones which has Black still out of action. They want Regal to do something about the cosplay Vikings terrorising them. The tag champs should up when War Raiders will attack them. Cole back on the mic demanding someone be something be done to reprimand Ricochet. The GM wants to know what for, and Cole says Ricochet is ducking him. Worse, he's giving Pete Dunne a shot at his North American title. He demands his rematch right now. Regal reminds Cole that he hasn't even asked for a rematch yet. He wanted Dunne to soften up Ricochet. What's worse, they ruined their match last week. The Panama City playboy thought the villain would be distracted by his investigation, but he was ready for him. In two's North American Championship match, in a triple threat with Ricochet and the Bruiserweight. And Strong and Kyle O'Reilly will be busy because in three weeks, they're defending their belts against Hansen and Rowe. Johnny Gagano meets with the media as he enters the building. He's back in action next week against James's boy, Tony Nese. Booyah! And it's nice to have something to look forward to again. After his loss to Velveteen Dream, he had to go home and regroup. He's apologised to the NXT, he's always been honest with them, and he lost himself. But now he's ready to come back and be Johnny Wrestling yet again. As Gagano and Candice LeRae try to walk away, Lacey Evans stops them. The First Lady questions LeRae, wondering why she hasn't done anything to help her husband. A real woman would fight with her man rather than try and keep things separate like Candice has been doing. Johnny keeps them apart as the scene ends. We get a hype video who Mauro tells us is in action next. Well, Velvety Dream is finishing a photo shoot when Kathy Kelly tries to get a word with him. Dream tries to walk away because he already talked about how he stole a show in New York and how he's already talked about how he beat Gagano. He's not talking about Johnny Failure or the man who's not here or the man who attacked the man who's not here. The NXT champ. Kelly asked if he's applied to Buster Chumper, took out Alistair and Velveteen said he's not a snitch but the writing's on the wall. I know who did it. I know who did it. Well, up next we have Lars Sullivan defeating Victor Orchant via disqualification when EC3 unprovokingly attacks Sullivan from behind unnecessarily. Well, Orchant looked scared and then Sullivan shows us why when he throws him all around and out of the ring. Lars makes to go after him when EC3 runs in and delivers a high knee to the back. He sends Sullivan out the other side. Lars seems to catch him on his way back in. But EC3 gets the better of that change and sends him crashing to the ramp. Sullivan looks pissed but ends up deciding to leave because he's scared of EC3 and fight another day. While EC3 rips his shirt off and gets pumped in the ring. So Mr. Regal is heading back to his office when he's asked about the investigation. Nikki Cross leaves his office and he wants to know what she was doing in there. Cross says she needs to play again. She needs to play with Bianca again. The GM says he'll take it under consideration. And Nikki leaves saying, Ah, no. Ah, no. The interviewer asks her if she's talking about who attacked Black. And Mr. Regal says she could be talking about the Loch Ness Monster. No one knows what Nikki knows. Well, up next, the mighty defeated the Street Profits via Pinfall. And it's Fawn on Ford. Well, Shane Ford is Shane Thorne is wearing Montez Ford's chain, and Nick Miller has the Prophet's black solo cup. 
Ford and Angelo Dawkins are all business and stalk to the ring. The mighty mock the profits and Dawkins knocks form flat with a punch to the jaw. He also gets the better of the start of the match, taking out both Aussies. Then tagging in Montez for a huge Topecon hero to take out both the mighty on the ramp. Well, back in, a distraction from Miller allows Thorne to hit a drop kick, and the hills divide the ring to work over Angelo. Dawkins eventually at the corner and ducks under Shane to make the tag. Montez comes in hot and cleans house. The numbers get to him, though, and he's pulled shoulder first into the ring post, and Miller drop kicks the stairs with Thorne's leg trapped behind them. It's Montez's turn to sell. Double side Russian leg sweep. A kick and a close line gets two. Two. Miller locks the leg with submission, but Ford powers up and chops his way out of it. Nick drags him back to the mightiest corner before he can tag Thorn. Uh, before he can tag, Thorn targets a knee with kicks. He manages to avoid a charge and duck under Miller, almost getting free after a double clothesline spot with Shane. Ford tries to flip out of a suplex, but his knee buckles. Thorn bidges into a cover and Miller holds Dawkins' ankles on the apron. Up next, Kyrie Sane defeated Vanessa Bourne via pinfall following the insane elbow. Well, Bourne wears and then kicks the champ's pirate hat out of the ring, anger insane. The Vision tries to catch Kari while she's mad, but loses the striking battle. Bourne is able to grab Sane for a twisting suplex, which allows her to control the action for a minute until the champ powers out of a neck crank, nails the DDT to end the sequence, axe handles and then the interceptor spear, Leads to the sliding D, and that's all she wrote. Well, Shania Basler music cuts off Sane in ring celebration. The Queen of Spain, he- Queen of Spades, heads to ringside, but she's only here to talk. Shania tells Kari to celebrate with the title while she can, because the clock is about to run out on that. Same one in Brooklyn, and Basler admits that one hurt her. She's not going to take that out on her right now, though. She's invoking a rematch clause, and she promises to drown Kari. Drop anchor on the rain and take back her title. Well, Kari gets on the mic to say Basler can have her rematch at Evolution. Shayna smiles and heads out of the ring, but the champ has one more thing to say, and I will beat you again. The pirate princess smiles and has clearly gotten under her rival's skin. They stare each other down the ramp as the MMA horsewoman backs her way up the ramp. Tucker Knight helps his heavy machinery partner get ready for the main event. Faceless interviewer guy asks Keith Lee what's next. He says he's 2-0 and and the limitless one needs gold to become who he is. Lee walks into a hair prep session for Connor Reeves. The finest big times him, ignoring an offered handshake, and says Lee needs to wait until he's done before barging in. Keith teases him about having the finest losing streak in NXT and offers to face him in the ring so Connor can bask in his glory. Well, next week we get the Forgotten Sons in action, plus EC3 gets his revenge versus Lars Sullivan. Well, we see Tommaso Ciampa defeating Otis Dozovic via pinfall after a pair of draping DDTs. Well, Dozovic is out alone like a good and dumb babyface. The champ takes his time taking off his jacket and putting down the belt after the bell. Otis gets the better with the initial strength battles, knocking Chomper down with a shoulder block and throwing him out the ring altogether. Dozovic catches Tommaso when he tries a crossbody, spinning him and throwing it. But Otis takes too long soaking in the cheers and a black heart rolls out. After stomping him around the ring a bit, he feigns a dive and pops the crowd with the caterpillar. After a backdrop on the apron, Tommy Entertainment finally gets an advantage by sweeping Dozer back first into the steel ramp. Chomper refuses to take a count-out win, heading back out to inflict more damage, delivering a high knee on the apron and going for a cover. But Otis kicks out. Uh. Another knee to the head leads to another two-count. Two. 
The champ hits the next break. <coughs> the champ hits the next. The champ hits a neck breaker, then latches on a sleeper. Dozer escapes by dropping onto his back, crushing Chomper, clubbing blow from the heavy machinery member, then a shoulder to the midsection and a big clothesline for two. Two. Rolling out, Tommaso grabs his belt and heads up the ramp, but Knight cuts him off. Chomper turns into a clothesline for Dozovic, takes the champ back to the ring and tossing around with suplexes. He also ready for the draping DDT and throws the black heart on the floor. Elbow drop gets two. Two. The champ grabs the ref and rakes Otis's eyes, but he can't hit his finisher, and Dozer gets two on a powerbomb counter. Two. Chumper makes it to the ropes, where he catches Otis with a draping DDT. After another one, it's over. For the champ taunts heavy machinery as Tucker helps Dozer recover in the ring. Up next, it's October 3rd, episode 471. Well, Nikki crosses in a steamy backstage hallway. Easy. She rants about how much fun it is to play games and wanting to play with Bianca Belair again. They didn't follow the rules last time, though, and she's speaking of bad behaviour. She knows. She knows. She knows! Well, Mara is the main event, and he, Nigel McGuinness, and Percy Jackson slash Watson catch us up on the backstory for our first match. And that is Lacey Evans defeating Candice LeRae, we are pinfall following the woman's right. Well, a tense stare down ends when Evans boops Candice's nose and shoving ensures. The taller woman wins the lock up, but Lorraine ducks out, hits a chop, and gets an early advantage until Lacey dodges the move from the top and drops Candice with a shoulder charge. Handspring Bronco Buster gets two. Two. And takes Lorraine down with a head scissors and then does a couple of push ups while keeping the legs around her opponent's head. Evans positions herself so the referee doesn't see her. She pulls Candice's hair in the chin lock then transitions her to a modified camel clutch. She calls Lorraine a bad wife, which inspires the comeback. Well, Candice's surge leads to a face bust off the second rope, which gets a near fall. Evans avoids the unprettier, but when Lacey calls her a loser, just like your husband, Lorraine loses her composure. The first lady takes advantage to hit a finish. A ref break. Maro kicks it to a kick-ass video package for the North American title triple threat by talking about each man wanting to build his legacy. Adam Cole says, me, 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 me. He says it represents the future of NXT where he's taking the brand. Pete Dunne talks about owning the UK and wanting to expand his legacy by adding the North American title. Cole says the only reason that belt matters is because of him, which is bollocks. Ricochet says it was just a prop with the Undisputed Era's leader. He respects what Dunne has done, but he's building the belt's legacy with great matches like the one he had with the Bruiserweight and next week's Triple Threat. We get a quick hype video for Forgotten Sons, Jackson Riker, Steve Cutler and Wesley Brake, and they're in action next. Tommaso Chompers back to filming his own interviews backstage. He says that when you're on top, people will always accuse you of things. Maybe they're doing it to hide their own guilt. Velveteen dritting because he's dreaming if he thinks Chump had anything to do with Alistair Black's attack. They both know what Black experienced. Velveteen needs to start the champ's spotlight. He needs to remember Tommaso is the man who ended the fairy tale and he'll end the dream if he doesn't mind his own business. Well, the Forgotten Sons defeated Tony Kirsch, Vinnie Mixon and Cesar Rise via pinfall after Riker's slingshot release powerbomb. We're told Cutler's nose was broken in the Sons' win over Street Profits, so he's wearing a mask. Riker starts and hands an opponent and, hands an op- and hangs an opponent in the Tree of Woe. Cutler tags himself in and Jackson assists his dropkick then breaks Blake's cannonball into that guy. Blake wipes out another of their opponent with a clothesline 
and they blast another guy off the apron. Tandem DDT, Riker's back in, and that is it. Well, a recap of a setup for Kai Sane versus Shania Baszler for Evolution. The video package airs on Shania's training camp. She admits she got complacent before complacent before Brooklyn, so she's running an old-school MMA camp this time. They show her working with Jasmine Duke and Marina Sheriff in a cage. She says her camp is much more grueling and advanced than anything those girls do at the performance centre. Basra is going to prove that women's wrestling involved and that she's evolved at Evolution. Evolving at Evolution. Genius. Well, Tony Nese is interviewed about why he's here. He does his usual spiel about his abs, giving us eight reasons why he'd dominate here like he does in 205 Live. Johnny Gagano is shown walking backstage with his game face on. Kathy Kelly interviews Bianca Belair, who insists she calls her Miss Belair. The EST heard that Nikki wants to play, but she's not here to play, especially with a scraggly-haired widow. She will wrestle cross again, and this time she'll embarrass her. After that, she'll still be undefeated. She claps that at Kelly a few more times while backing away. Johnny Gagano defeats Tony Nese for fierce submission with Gagano escape. Well, Johnny wins the early exchange, but when Gagano goes to dive after head scissors Nice out of the ring, he charges right into a clothesline. The advantage doesn't last long, though. He dumps Tony again and hits the dive to the short side. He looks energised by the crowd support, but gets caught climbing back to the top, and Nice pulls his legs out from under him to take control. That lasts until Gagano is able to dodge a springboard in Seguri and grabs Nice for a DDT. A flurry leads to the spear through the ropes for two. Two. They trade forearms. Johnny nails a kick but can't follow up. Tony gets out of Gagano, lifting Johnny up by one arm, but he pops out the back. Another exchange ends with Nice buckle-bombing him into a corner. Well, a purple brown regular follows by lands on his feet after a great twist and dive, rolling Gagano back in and hitting a 450 splash clean, but Johnny kicks out. Ah. Gagano gets free, but his comeback is short-lived, but he's germined into the buckles. Johnny pops right back out of that low, hits a super kick and a clothesline, then locks on his submission to get the win. Only Lorcan and Danny Birch get a hype video, and it covers their backgrounds as opponents, as working-class kids who scratched and clawed their way into WWE. Their Chicago title shot is discussed when they talk about winning over the crowd during the match with their fighting spirit. Lorcan describes the facial fractures he suffered via Roderick Strong's high knee in that match, the outing... And the injury motivated them, and they plan to prove that two average blokes can win the tag titles. Well, next week we'll see Keith Lee versus Conor Reeves and the North American title triple threat. In two weeks, it's Belair Cross 2 and Undisputed Era versus the War Raiders for the tag team titles. But right now, it's retribution time because EC3 versus Lars Sullivan, and he's going to get the job done, son. All right? I don't care what you think, Dan. EC3 is here, and <coughs> NXT, NXT is EC3. He is the top 1%. He's going to prove everybody wrong. He is the future of NXT, and here he comes now. And he's not waiting! Here he comes! He's going to bring it to Lars Sullivan! Boom! And look at the huge right hand rocking the monster. This genetic freak doesn't know what he's stirred up in EC3. Big knee to the outside. And look how great Ethan Carter III looks. Come on, Lars. Bring it, bitch. And now the bell rings and EC3 in complete control. Big boot to Lars Sullivan. Biggest mistake Lars Sullivan ever made was attacking EC3 from behind. Uh-oh. And he grabs EC3 by the throat, but... Ethan Carter just pushes his arm off, shows him back first into the steps. Yes, he but does. Sullivan responds almost immediately. Oh, but that doesn't stop EC3 from again slamming 
Lars into the stairs. But again, Sullivan just grabbing him round the throat. But for a third time, EC3 shoves Sullivan back into the steps. And you can see the redness of Sullivan's back there on the stairs. EC3 definitely bringing it. It's definitely trouble for Lars Sullivan. Trouble, 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 <laughs> trouble, trouble. NXT, EC3. Go on, EC3, go flying then. Oh, no, you can't. Don't call him that. And he goes to the outside of Sullivan. Oh, Sullivan with a cheap shot. And look at the cuts on his He's back. Gashed open Sullivan's back, big time. Come on, EC3, big right hands. Rocking Sullivan and the chops now. And now he's going to look to slam him. Oh. No. Sullivan fights out quite easily with a knee to the midsection. Looking to charge towards EC3, but he sidesteps and Sullivan hits the ring post. Genius there by Ethan Carter. Now he's going to pick up Lars. The slam heard round the world. Shut up, Maro. I have never sake. known anybody to pick up Lars Sullivan. It's not the EC3 elbow. Oh, my God. Hits it. That is it. Goes for the cover. One, two. You don't even get a two. Oh, my God. Well, front face up by EC3. <coughs> Keep the big man done. Dominating Lars Sullivan in this match. You can't say he's not. I'm not quite sure if EC3 is actually black. Well, Lars <laughs> Sullivan had just sent EC3 into the corner. Well, he's very well tanned. And he's in a bit of trouble now. Uh-oh, here comes Lars. Just throwing EC3 like he was a cruiserweight all the way across the ring. Comes charging in and this time catches him with a splash. Oh, EC3 in a lot of trouble, but gets the elbow up to stop Lars Sullivan come running in. Now off the second, beautiful drop kick on the button. And now can he... Yes, slams him down. One, two. Oh. And Lars Sullivan with a very forceful kick out. <clears throat> well, that won't scare EC3. He's got the face of Lars. EC3 pounding on Lars Sullivan. Here he comes running in now. Big boot to the face. He's going to go it looks again. Looks like it's just pissing Lars Sullivan off. He just pops up, clotheslines EC3 down to the mat. Well, that's a shame, but EC3 can recover from this. Well, let's just hope EC3 doesn't have a freak accident. Well, he froze him there. Sullivan now might have recovered from that. He's got EC3. Clubs away at the head of EC3. Well, referee should look at them. I don't know if those strikes are legal. Well, they're forearms. Well, going for it. And the size he is, they're five arms down, all right? Uh, Exactly. Still a legal strike. And EC3 now needs the love and support of the crowd to get him back into this one. And the crowd have just completely shut up. And no, they haven't. You can hear them. At last, Sullivan. E-C-3. You can't hear anything. You can't hear E-C-3. anything over Marlo fucking Ronaldo. EC3. EC3. Oh, my God. It's like he's ripping his head off. EC3. LS1. Well, he goes on a go-behind. And he's got a German suplex, Lars. Oh. No, he just gets an elbow in his face for his troubles. Oh, but turns around. Oh, my God. Throws Lars Sullivan. It must weigh at least 400 pounds. At least 600, 700 pounds. The Carter splash. And he's going up now. Oh, beautiful crossbody. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh. And again, Lars Sullivan, Lars Sullivan forcing his way out at two. Uh, two. But Carter's had more pin attempts than Lars has. 
AC freeze busted wide open. <clears throat> oh, and Eve got the third, trying to pick him up. The top one percent last blocks it. Oh, oh short arm clothesline nearly knocks EC's freeze head off. You can barely see straight now. EC freeze starting to regret his decision to target Lars Sullivan. Uh oh, and now he's in a bit of trouble. Going for the free caxton, but EC free blocking it. Oh, eliminates Lars Sullivan from the Royal Rumble and himself. You can see the marks on war or the marks of war for both men. EC three shouts out. Oh my god, but Lars Sullivan catches him. <laughs> Lars Sullivan's caught him. Oh, oh plants him back first on the plants him back first on the hardest part of the ring. EC three is fucked. And EC three might be in a little bit of trouble now. Lars going to the top. Oh my god, here he comes. Flying headbutt. A la Chris Benoit. A la Chris Benoit. Rolls him over. One, two, three. And EC3 didn't even need the freak accident to finish him off. Well, he got a freak accident on the apron, actually, before oh, the Oh, EC3's busted wide open. It's internal bleeding. He's in serious trouble here. <laughs> As he is in most matches because he's shit. Well, EC3 will fight again. I don't give up on wrestlers when they do bad, Dan. All right? I don't just go for people who are just successful anyway. AC3 is going to have a bright future. Unfortunately, the monster Lars Sullivan is looking more and more impressive as time goes by. People forget about his loss to Alistair Black and his quest for the NXT title. His loss to my guy, Alistair Black. What do you think of that match, Dan? Without being EC3 negative. Yeah, it is certainly is a great display of Lars Sullivan, his strength. And, you know, EC3's not a small guy, but he was throwing him about like he was fighting Ricochet. Well, I'm worried for EC3 here because he's not won at takeover yet. He just lost to Lars Sullivan when you assume the babyface would normally win. So I'm going to have to keep a close eye on what they do with EC3. But Lars Sullivan looks as good as ever here on NXT. So it's episode 472 and it's October 10th. Yes, NXT champ Tommaso Ciampa is on his way out even before Mauro Ronaldo, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson can introduce themselves. He tells the bout he loves it amidst a sea of booze and then calls for a mic. He puts over his entrance music as the greatest of all time for the greatest sports entertainer of all time. It brought silence to the sheep. There's always one who tries to break away from the flock. In this case, that one is the Velveteen Dream. Ciampa tells Dream he's making the champ's attention... Chomper tells the dream he has a champ's attention, but he's done it the wrong way, making accusations, sticking his nose in things that are on none of his business. Well, that brings out the dream he finds all of this interesting, especially the part where Chomper claims to be the greatest of all time. He doesn't appreciate the threats coming from the champ, though. He also thinks the championship deserves a different experience than the one with an angry bald man hiding behind his insecurities. Tommaso says he may be an angry bald man, but he's one with a shiny title. He gets it. Velveteen wants what the champ has, the main event. He doesn't even think Dream believes he attacked Alistair Black. He just isn't man enough to ask for what he wants, the title, not Chomper, mind you. Wonders uh, The title, not Chomper, mind you. Wonders if maybe Velveteen Dream isn't tough enough. Dream says not only is he man enough, he's more, than, he's more man than Tommaso can handle. And if he wants to find out, all he has to do is time with him and the belt. Well, before Chumper can answer, Nikki Cross music hits. She charges the ring and plays with the tassels on Dream's jacket and tries to touch the belt. She tells Velveteen she knows what he did, then puts her hand in his face. 
He thinks about hitting her, but she backs off and goes to the champ. He pulls the belt back, and she knocks the mic from his hand. She gets down on the ground and says, I know what you did too, into it. She chases Dream off and kicks the mic away from Champa for rolling out and dancing away up the ramp. Champa clutches the belt and looks concerned as the segment ends. Adam Cole is seen stretching his anus in the back. No, sorry, Adam Cole is seen stretching in the back, and Percy hypes our next match as we go to commercial. Pete Dunne is taping his wrists when we come back, and it's time for our first match. Keith Lee defeated Connor Reeves via pinfall following a supernova. Reeves talks trash and declares himself NXT's finest at the bell, and Lee laughs in his face. Connor shoves his opponent into the corner, but that gets turned around and Keith delivers his deafening chops. Reeves gets sent to the floor in the next exchange, but he snaps Lee's head over the ropes when he reaches for them to take control. Drop kicks the uh, drop kick and elbow drop get a cover. Then it's rest holds and dirty tricks. Lee hulks up through some strikes and bulldozes Reeves over, and that's it. Well, Nigel reminds us of Evolution's women's title match, and it's another Shayna Baszler training video. She's again saying it was her mistake that allowed Kari Sane to beat her in Brooklyn, not the pirate, pirate not the beating her. That really, the really frustrating thing is uneducated fans think Sane really beat her. That makes her so pissed. Well, the media catch up with Kari outside the building. She's so excited to be going to Revolution, and she's not worried about Shania's new training regiment. She will beat her again on October 28th. An interviewer catches up with general manager William Regal, and he's asked about Chomper and Dream accusing each other, and he's not willing to give any information about his investigation. He knows he needs answers, and Nikki says she has them. So? Well, Cassius Ono is waiting outside of Eagle's office. He wants an update on what they talked about last time, a match against the GM's shiny new toy. Regal doesn't answer him, which prompts an angry promo from Ono about the GM's bromance with his new signee. Regal heads into his office without giving KO what he wants, and Cross walks up to tell Cassius that she knows what he did too. After a hype video recapping the Undisputed Era slash War Raiders story, we're reminded the NXT tag title is part of a co-main event next week with Cross versus Bianca Belair. But right now it's your North American title on the line and it's Ricochet versus Pete Dunne versus Adam Cole, baby. You can hear the Adam Cole chants in the crowd. I can't. I can only hear one and only in Bruiserweight. Well, what a match it was last time out between Pete Dunne and Ricochet, with Adam Cole chucked into the equation, surely it's going to be better. Well, don't call me Shirley, but Adam Cole being in the match just spoils it. Well, wait a minute, this might help you out, because they've just both turned to Adam Cole, and they're beating him down now. <laughs> they're throwing each other away so they can beat on Adam Cole. Well, Pete Dunne was doing it, now Ricochet's come around. And there's an argument going on, Oh, And Adam Cole cowardly throws Ricochet into Pete Dunne, and then hits him on the head. Now he's working the forearms, but Ricochet fighting back. Cole responds with a kick to the midsection to Ricochet. Irish whips him into the corner. Looks to charge at Ricochet, but he jumps over the top of him, runs the ropes, spins over the back of Adam Cole, catches his head and just plants him into the mat and nips up, hits him with a lovely drop kick. Well, it's hard to kind of keep up with how quick Ricochet moves in the ring. Oh... And a handspring backflip when he just lands in the middle of the ring in his Superman pose, calling Pete Dunne out. But again, Adam Cole from behind throws Ricochet out. It's Pete Dunne. And he said he wants some with Pete Dunne. Colin Elba tie-up. Throws him on the ropes and done with a leapfrog. Ducks down again. And just runs through Adam Cole with a big clothesline. 
Now Ricochet and Pete Dunne staring at each other. Saying, let's finish what we started the other week. And like two great competitors. They want to find out who the better man is. And Pete Dunne's got hold of that draw again. Drops Ricochet to the mat and again working on that wrist. Well, that wouldn't have recovered in a couple of weeks since. And Pete Dunne knows that as Ricochet squirrels his way out. That's lovely by Dunne trying to get out of it. Nipping up, trying to move out of the way. Ricochet turns it into an arm drag takedown, but Pete Dunne turns his into an headlock takedown. Ricochet backflipping, trying to exchange kips, nipping up. Well, that is fantastic from both men. <laughs> Adam Cole tries charging him from behind, drop toe hold, takes him out. And now Dunn's got the legs of Cole. Wrenches his arms behind the back. Ricochet's just watching and admiring the torture on Adam Cole. Oh, no, he's holding him. And here comes Ricochet. Oh. Boom, sliding in, kicking him in the head. Because <laughs> Pete Dunn just stamps on the back of his knees. And that puts Adam Cole out for about five weeks. Well, your favourite Pete Dunn teaming up. Oh. Ricochet, we're offered the hand. And Pete Dunn just clocks him with a hand of his own and just shrugs it, saying, well, here's a match, mate. I think the fans respect that as well as they chant Bruiserweight. And they've got hold of Ricochet. And now Pete Dunn just taking down Ricochet, work over the arm. And like I said, Adam Cole is going to be clever and recover on the outside. Just let these two men tear each other apart, come in and pick the pieces. Or now ripping the fingers back. Manipulating that wrist as only Pete Dunn can. Got him tied up in a hammerlock now. And again, stomping on the side of the head. <clears throat> Making Ricochet worry about his arms and then just stomping the crap out of his head. And then just kicking away. Got hold of the arm again. Looking for a short arm clothesline. Ricochet ducks it. Goes to work on Pete Dunn's wrist. Arm drag takedown. Pete Dunn cleverly rolling to his stomach, though. Can't be pinned. Oh, brilliantly done by Ricochet, though. He's got variation of the... Oh, here comes Adam Cole. Breaking it up. Adam Cole now with the boots to Dunn. Boots to Ricochet. Adam Cole, baby! Look at Adam Cole smirking. No, he's just a mug. Throws Ricochet on the outside. Now he's going to focus on Pete Dunn. Mounts him. Reigns down with the right hands. See, technical masterclass between Ricochet and Pete down. Then Adam Cole comes in and just kicks and punches. <laughs> well, net breaker there by Adam Cole, but Dunn kicks out of two. Two. Now Adam Cole trying to take advantage as quick as he can. Ricochet's up on the apron. Adam Cole tries to cheap shot him, but Ricochet catches it. Oh, oh. Ricochet looking to springboard in. Adam Cole bounces off the top rope, knocking Ricochet down to the mats below. Done with a kick to Adam Cole's legs. But nice by Adam Cole there with a bicycle kick. He might have done. No Ooh. chance. Pete Dunn managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Dunn making sure his jaw's still in place. But Dunn there stepping on Adam Cole's foot. Just punching away with the lefts and rights. Nice combination, but Cole's got the leg, but that doesn't stop Dunn. Slaps him around the face and then a step up in Segree. But here comes Ricochet. Springboards in with a Hurricane Rana. Take it down, Pete Dunn. Now set his sights on Adam Cole. Spear in the corner, kick to the back. Oh, oh my God, runs up the side of the ring. Moonsault on the bruiserweight. Comes in with a flying European uppercut. One, two. Oh. Oh. 
only getting a two count. Two. Adam Cole showing a lot of toughness there. Now Ricochet picking up Adam Cole on his shoulders. But Cole fighting with everything he's got. Dunn's back in now. Slaps Ricochet. Drops Adam Cole, who hits Pete Dunn. Didn't affect him, and he gets with a big one that turns him inside out. Ricochet with a kick to the midsection of Dunn. Irish whip. Dunn flips over him, though. Step up in Seguri to Ricochet in the corner. Adam Cole grabs him from behind, looking for a German. Dunn landing on his feet and kicking Cole in the side of the head. Now kicking down Ricochet, putting both men on top of each other. Oh, my God. He's got half Boston Crab locked in on both men. <laughs> both men screaming out in pain. This could be it right here. Ricochet managing to get free, though, so he turns his attention to Adam Cole. Oh, Ricochet, though. Jumping on Pete Dunn with a submission. He's got the octopus locked in. And Adam Cole, as he likes to, from behind. A backstabber, but no, Ricochet kicks out. Ah. No, both men, all three men struggling to get to their feet. And just exchanging big forearms with each other. Ricochet's up to his feet. So is Adam Cole and Pete Dunn. Uh, it's a three-way trade-off. Adam Cole was the one that chickens out first. Again, coming from behind, looking to take Pete Dunn out. But Pete Dunn with a standing switch gets caught in the, gets kicked in the head. Adam Cole with a flying leg lariat. One, two. Oh, oh but Ricochet managing to kick out. Oh. Now Adam Cole looking to finish this. Ricochet drops to her knees so Adam Cole can't lift him. Turns his arm and just delivers a thunderous forearm. That rocks Cole back in the corner. Here comes Ricochet running in, but Cole catches him. Ricochet lands on the second rope. Fakes a jump. Pete Dunn comes in, knocks down Adam Cole, goes after Ricochet, kicks him. Adam Cole comes across, kicks him. <laughs> and then Pete Dunn with a standing moonsault. Or sunset flip, is it moonsault? Moonsault. It's yeah. unbelievable action for all three men here. Trading off blows. And now Ricochet... Building some momentum. Here he goes. Second rope. Moonsault. Oh! Oh, oh my God. Well, he was going for his uh, springboard moonsault. Both Adam Cole and Pete Dunn super kick him in the jaw. All three men down in a war. Crowd chanting, Mamma Mia. <laughs> That's a shout out to Maro fucking over the top Ronaldo. Both men go for the cover, but Ricochet moves out of the way. And then... Adam Cole and Pete Dunn are just left holding hands. Uh-oh, and Adam Cole might be the wrong part of town. Face he gets a death stare from Pete Dunn. And Pete Dunn won't back down, but now there's Adam Cole, to his credit. Both men just trading. Pete Dunn with a headbutts. Uh-oh, Pete Dunn's got the arms of Adam Cole. And then just kicks him across the head. But Adam Cole, Cole, like the typical wuss rolling out of town. Well, he can't be pinned on the outside. It's clever by Cole. It's genius by Cole. We caught Pete Dunn and DDT there on the apron. And now Dunn against the stairs. Adam Cole stalking his prey. Oh, oh but Pete Dunn moves out of the way. Adam Cole kicks nothing but stairs. And now Dunn's got Adam Cole's hand. Break it off. Break it off. Not on the stairs. Yeah, go on. On the stairs. Oh! Yes! I hope that hurts. 
Ricochet with six foot nine catches Dunn on top of the stairs. Looking for the springboard on Adam Cole, but he moves out of the way. He catches Ricochet with a super kick. Pete Dunn on the second rope. Moonsault taking out Adam Cole. Oh, no. Throws Ricochet back in. Pete Dunn thinks this is his time. Picking up Ricochet. Turns him inside out. One, two. Oh, oh but Adam Cole with the save. Unbelievable action. And did Adam Cole save Pete uh, Ricochet's North American title reign? Adam Cole's on the outside. Dunn struggling to get to his feet. Who does Dunn target? Cole or Ricochet? Well, Dunn needs to get to the top first before he worries about who's he looking at. Can he get there? No, Cole cuts him off. And joins him up top. Oh, my God, Adam Cole and Pete Dunn. Precarious positions and Cole trying to get Dunn. Oh, my God. And Ricochet with a big forearm. And now all three men are up. Oh, my oh God. My Ricochet's got Alan Cole and Pete Dunn. And he's double up. Oh. Takes them both down. <laughs> that was crazy. And now Ricochet. <laughs> reverse Hurricane Runner. Plants done face first. Goes for cover. One, two... Oh, only managing a two count. Two, and Dunn is so tough. Now Ricochet rolled him in position. Maybe he's going to try to hit the 6.30. But Adam Cole in, wiping out Ricochet. Oh, no, that's how Adam Cole's going to get victory like this. No, Pete Dunn grabs the hand of Adam Cole. Wrench them fingers back, go on. That's it. And you can hear Adam Cole screaming. But he rolls up, Dunn. He's got Feet the on the ropes. Oh. Dunn somehow still managed to kick out. Ah. Cheats never prosper. And Cole goes for the kick, but gets caught by Dunn. Bitter end. Bitter end there, Ricochet. Oh. Looking for a shooting star, gets caught in the triangle. And Dunn looking to become North American champ. Ricochet, though, powering up Pete Dunn. But Dunn just wrenching the finger back, getting Ricochet back down to the mat. Just wrenching and breaking those fingers, but Adam Cole with a super kick. And then the last shot to Ricochet. Oh, no, don't tell me he's going to go for Pete Dunn. Shoulder breaker. One, two. Oh. Adam Pete. Fuck for that. Adam Pete Dunn kick out. Uh, Because he's better than Adam Cole, baby. Cole is awful. Cole is awful. Well, this is awesome chance, and I wholeheartedly agree. With the Pete Dunn and Ricochet side of it. And Adam Cole looking to finish Pete Dunn now. No, Pete Dunn's up to his feet. Turns Cole inside out with a clothesline. Bitter end. Try second bitter end. Bang. Hits it. Goes for the cover. One, two, Ricochet. Springboard 450. One, two, three. Oh, my God. Ricochet retains a North American title in another classic encounter. Absolutely amazing match. It was, you know, it was perfectly worked between all three guys. Credit where it's due. Even though Adam Cole's the least talented out of probably anyone on the NXT roster, he did pull in a shift in this match. I mean, what a match it was. And Adam Cole has brought it yet again. And so has Ricochet. 
and Pete Dunne. But tonight, Ricochet stands tall. But I feel if these three men were involved together again, it might not be the scum. But the main note to take from this, Pete Dunne was pinned. Well, up next, it's our last episode of NXT Update. From NXT Update, it's episode 473, October 17th. Restart off with the NXT Tag Team Titles on the line. The War Raiders finally getting their chance against the Undisputed Era, Roger Strong, Kyle O'Reilly. Handsome Kyle O'Reilly. Dan, who are you favouring this one? Oh, War Raiders all day long. <laughs> Let's see if they can be successful. The bell has rang now and it's uh, rowing there with Roger Strong. But we all know, once the War Raiders get an upper hand, look like they're going to win it, a member of the Undeserving Era will come out and will interrupt the match and will get a DQ. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, the War Raiders have been chasing after this opportunity for a while now. Opportunity. And the, and the, the Undisputed Era have been a great tag team. We've seen them defend against uh, only Lorcan and Danny Birch. And they try to double-team Row, but he hits a double clothesline. And they've been dominating the tag team division since arriving at Takeover, taking out the Undisputed Era. In comes Hanson. And Kyle O'Reilly trying to be optimistic, trying to take him down. No chance. Sunshine. A shoulder block there, and he goes for a punch of Strong. Sends him out. A kick by Kyle O'Reilly. Now he's got the guillotine trying to wear the big man down. Takes in Roger Strong now. Both looking to double clothesline uh, Hanson. And uh, again, they both bite the bullet. Hanson runs right through their hands and takes them both down. Oh, and now O'Reilly and Strong going to have a confab at ringside. And O'Reilly. Oh, my God. Hanson's not waiting. Uh, Rose's not waiting around. But a distraction proved right because uh, Roderick Strong comes in, as the Undisputed Era do, from behind. But that offence lasts very little time. Because Road ducks under uh, Strong. But again, O'Reilly comes in, hasn't been tagged. And he's trying to work the leg, but can't get Row over. And he just powers him up and drops him to the mat. Now he's got with a gut wrench and backdrops Roderick Strong. <laughs> but O'Reilly managing to get some separation. Only for a second, though, and Hansen tags himself back in. Scoop slam. And now he's. Scoop slam. Scoop slam on Hanson on O'Reilly. They pick up Strong. And throw him at O'Reilly. Well, we've got no NXT Tag Team Champions at the moment. They are dominating the Wall Raiders. O'Reilly backing away. Oh, Strong with a clothesline attempt. Rowe dodges it and hits both men with forearms. Throws O'Reilly back, but Strong tries grabbing the leg. He gets kicked off. Clothesline for O'Reilly. And again, strong from behind, attacking Rowe's leg. Well, referee's distraction allowed that. O'Reilly just beating down on Rowe. Rowe fighting out to his credit, but the Undisputed Era just won't give up at the moment. Roderick Strong with a back. Goes for the cover, only gets a two. Two. Dragged Rowe back to the Undeserving Era corner. Now works the leg as he, leg as he tags in O'Reilly. They're just working away on big Rowe in the corner. Throws him into the turnbuckle. Oh, kicks to the knees, trying to chop the big tree down. Well, the Undisputed Era obviously had a game plan when they came into this title match. Maybe it was to separate the two, but Rose fighting out of this. Oh, my God. Kick. 
slap, knees by Riley. And then a spinning heel trip. Drops Row to the mat. Then he antagonises Hansen. Goes for a cover. Oh, only getting a one, two count. Two. Now the palm strikes. Took too long. Although it's strong with a cover. Oh, only getting a two count. And then goes two. for a full mount. Tags in O'Reilly. And this has been impressive by the Undisputed Era. Keeping them in their corner, just whipping them, beating them up. Chops and kicks from O'Reilly and Strong. Well, it's great tag teaming from the Undisputed Era. Working on the leg. Oh, but Rowe kicking Strong back into the corner, trying to get across to Hansen. Strong grabbing the trunks, not letting him go. Oh, and he's got his foot locked with his feet. Quite intelligent there from Strong. Credit where it's due. And O'Reilly with a kick. He stops Rowe from getting up. And Hansen gagging for a tag now. Rowe getting some separation. Strong tags in Riley. Can he get across to Hansen? Oh. No. O'Reilly in, taking out the leg. O'Reilly going to run into the corner, but... Oh, he gets slammed to the mat. The big war chant is looking to tag in his partner. O'Reilly's tags in strong. Oh, and Hansen gets the tag in. Foes Roderick Strong nearly all the way over. Sidewalk slam with authority. Bang, running crossbody. O'Reilly comes in. He gets a slap across the face for his troubles. My God, sent on there by Hanson and O'Reilly. Roll through, clothesline. Oh, he cartwheeled, then clotheslined. Taken out strong. And that's impressive by Big Hanson. Bang. Bronco Buster to strong. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh, oh strong just managing to kick out. Oh. Hanson tags in O'Reilly. Looks for a sleeper. He gets backed into a corner and a running knee to O'Reilly sends him back into that corner. Oh, and Roe couldn't pick up Hanson. He slaps him and says, come on, you can do it, son. Oh, and he gets shoulder-barsed into the corner, straight into O'Reilly's head. And now they're picking up strong. Oh. F.U. onto the knee. Fucking thunderous set-out power bomb. One, two. By Riley in to break it up. Oh, my God. Hanson hasn't been there a lot. Rowe's been the one to take the most punishment. He tags him in now. Sit up. Puts him on his, top, on his shoulders. Close lines him down. And Adam oh, for Cole. fuck's sake. It's Adam Cole, baby. He gets caught by Hanson, though. Knocked out with one punch. Thrown out the ring. And now we're going to have new NXT Tag Team Champions. And now he picks them up, but Strong blocking it. Knee to Hanson, O'Reilly in. Stumped to the back of the head, big forearm. Strong Olympic slam. slam. Two, Two. Oh, no. Oh. Roy managing to kick out. Uh, thank fuck. Now O'Reilly Strong looking to finish him. Oh, my God. Rowe catches him, knee to the head. O'Reilly with a kick to the calf. He gets a headbutt to the chest for his troubles. He's trying to take down Rowe and he's fighting it. But he's got the submission in. The leg they've been working on. And Strong gets caught by Hanson. He gets thrown onto O'Reilly to break up the submission attempt. 
Dragged back to the War Raiders corner. Tags in his partner. This has got to be over. Well, Hansen well, runs into a big boot but just shakes it off. I think that's just pissing off Hansen. Now the slaps combinations by O'Reilly. Pop oh. up. Power slam. O'Reilly and Cole both get taken out. And this is it. Hansen's got O'Reilly. Oh. Bang. Leg drop. This has got to be it. For the pin. We've got new champions. One. Oh, no. It's Bobby Fish. In with a chair. Fish is back. And he's beating up the War Raiders. Oh, no. The Undisputed Era is complete now. All four men get one over on the War Raiders. And Riley is holding him in strong. Oh, my God. Kind of Yakuza kick taking him out. And this is not good news for the rest of the NXT universe. Bobby Fish. Has completed undisputed twats. Oh my god! Yeah, we're big man. We take four men to beat up two men because we're that fucking good. Well, they lost Tits. the match. They lost the match, but kept hold of the NXT titles. Shocking, Dan. What are your thoughts? They're fucking assholes, isn't they? <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Well, our next match was Britt Baker versus the Queen of Spades, Shania Baszler. Yeah, Baker made another appearance in NXT this week, but had the misfortune of drawing a driven and determined Shania Baszler as her opponent. Baszler took her over, targeted her arm and stomped on it. Baker arrived in pain and the official call for the bell ended the match prematurely. The relentless Baszler flashed a smile after kicking Baker one last time and made her way to the back. This really put Baszler over as a total badass. Funny, because Baszler has always been far more intimidating as challenger than a champion. While she chased... Chastid Ember Moon. While she chased Ember Moon, she was one of the most dangerous wrestlers on the roster. When she finally became champion, she backed off a bit, losing a killer edge and allowing Kari Sane to wrestle the title away from her in Brooklyn, New York. Now back in the world challenges, she's the queen of space fans were so compelled by initially. And up next is Only Lorkin and Danny Birch versus Tian Bing and Rocky. Well, Tian Bing and Rocky may be members of the W Performance Centre, learning their craft in hopes of one day starring for the company, but they ran into a buzzsaw in the form of Only Lorkin and Danny Birch Wednesday night. The double-tough Brett and his partner obliterated the competition before pinning Bing with a double-team high-elevation implant DDT. There was not much to this one, nor should there be. It was exactly the one-sided arse-kicking it needed to be and helped established, help establish... Lorcan and Birch is one of the most unstoppable forces of the tag team division. Well, hopefully this renewed push earns them another shot at the Undeserving Era's titles and they beat them and they fucking... And the Undeserving Era just crumble off into the background and never to be seen again. Brother. Well, up next it's the main event and it's Bianca Belair going against Nikki Cross. Well, we see Nikki rocking back and forth and Belair just waiting for her. Now here comes Nikki running out, jumping all over her. And Nikki Cross is crazy, but Bianca Belair not backing down. Both women just clubbing away at each other. Belair now sending Nikki Cross into the stairs. No, Nikki reverses. Nikki Cross has got that crazy look on her face. Because she knows. She's going right after Belair. 
Oh, monkey flip for Nicky Crossway, sending Belair across the ring. And Nicky is such an important role to play here. We wondered why she stayed after Sally went to the main roster, but she's in contention for the NXT Women's title. Plus, she knows what happens. She caught Belair's leg, just pushed her back across the ring. Oh, but Looking not... for a running cross body, but getting caught. Good strength there. Fall away slam from Bianca. And Belair now just trying to wear down Nicky Cross. And Bianca Belair just trying to rip Nicky Cross's head off. It's just so different, trying to get out of submission. But Belair with a drop kick. Backs up Nicky. Standing moonsault, goes to the cover on Cross. Oh, but crazy Nicky managing to kick out. Well, Nicky now fighting out of this. And Belair with a kick to the midsection. She's got her up now. And a butterfly, the power of Belair. Nicky back to the corner. Here comes Belair. Comes charging in. Nicky moves out of the way, but gets a shoulder block takedown. Now Belair might take a risk going up to the top. Oh no, Nicky catches her, crotches her. Now she's in a tree of woe. Whoa. And Cross just stamping away in the midsection. Relentless there. Nicky doesn't care, running again, just kicking away. Now Cross just waiting for Belair to get up to her feet. Screams and charges in. Big cross splash. Running bulldog. Slapping herself in the face, getting herself psyched up. And Nikki going up after headbutting the turnbuckle. Belair trying to get to her feet. Here comes Cross. Flying cross body. Two. Oh, oh but Belair managing to kick out. Uh -huh. And Nikki pulling Belair like some kind of Halloween monster. Belair screaming, but managing to kick away at Nikki. Throws her off. Nikki lands on her feet. Well, then she, uh, Belair drops her with a big forearm smash. Getting to her feet, runs into Belair. Oh, Belair spears cross, though. One, two. Oh, oh but Nikki just managing to kick out. Ah. Now Belair rolling her up properly this time, but again, Nikki cross managing to get the shoulder up. And a third time as well. And you can see the frustration with Belair not being able to get Nikki cross down. But Cross just smashing Belair's face into a tuna box. Oh my god. Belair picks up Nicky. Sit out powerbomb. One, two. Oh. oh. But again, Cross managing to kick out. Oh. And Belair beside herself. Well, what's it going to take to put down Nicky Cross? Uh oh, she swifts up the hair. She's ready for action. And she's telling Nicky to stay down. Nicky Cross looks aroused. Oh, my God, gets slapped, puts on a top rope, and now presses her up impressively. Gorilla press, slam. And now look at this. Squatting with Nikki in her arms. But Nikki fighting back. Oh, managed to jump down the back. Jumps on the back of Belair. She's got the sleep hold. Picks her down. Bang, plants Belair. One, two... Oh. oh, I don't know how Belair still get the shoulder up. That two, two, and the face of Nikki. She's gonna finish it now. Well, she's not a happy camper. Off the top, but oh my god, whipped by that hair, and surely that's disqualification. Well, don't call me Shirley, but that definitely should be cause for a disqualification. Come on, ref, do think about it.
And Belair going up. Oh, Nikki stopping her. Cross getting up, making her with some big forearms. Now how the hell is Nikki managing to do this? Both women down. What war it's been. What war it's been. And oh, the lights have gone out. What's going on? What's, power, what's, power cut. What's happened? Oh! <laughs> Alistair Black. Well, flat music is right. That means Ali B is going to be in the building. He's oh. sat in the middle of the ring because, James, there's one thing about Alistair Black. He sits where he wants. Well, Nikki Cross has said that she knows. And Ali B... What's this? I love this. There's a man that got attacked. And look at Nikki. Holy shit chance. And look at Nikki happy. Nikki's, Nikki's got, got a secret. Oh, and Black tells her to stop. Hammer time! He come wants, and sit on Daddy's lap. He wants her to come over there and tell him. Cross slowly crawling her way over. And we've got everybody to be quiet. Johnny Gagano. And she whispers something in his ear. I know he did it. And his head has bowed. Does he know now finally who attacked him? Oh, he's seething. By the look on his face, he knows. Nicky told him, and he's got mental, the former NXT champion. Who attacked Ali B? He seems to know now. We'll find out on next month's WWE Network. Oh, review. James. <laughs> oh, it's going to be next month. James. What have you thought of this month's NXT? It's been absolutely great. We've had two fucking brilliant matches. We've had a match that should have ended differently. And, you know, we've kind of unraveled the full story of what Nikki Cross knows, who attacked Ali B, and hopefully next week we should get the end result. Yeah, and, and two match of the year candidates, in not only Ricochet versus Pete Dunne, but Ricochet, Pete Dunne, and Adam Cole with Bobby Fish back in the fold now as well. Not being, not being controversial, but I think the first match, Ricochet versus Pete Dunne one-on-one was the better match. I, I would probably agree with you there. I would love to see a clean finish for that. Uh, at least we got a clean finish in the triple threat match. But there's so much you know, good stuff going on at the moment in WWE. Like so with NXT, 205 Live has been great this month. We've got the start of uh, the WWE NXT UK show, which we'll be bringing you next week in a UK special. And a crucial pay for you coming up where we're going to have Basler and Kari Kari Sane fighting over the NXT title. Uh, Anything else to add for this month? No, it's been a very entertaining month for wrestling. It really has, it really has. Well, that's it. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter at WWE Review or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at John Scott Rollins. Across all the Google platforms, WNet Review on Google Plus. Send us an email to WNetPodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWCast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WNet Review Podcast there. Clips go up. Uh, uh, clips are on YouTube and podcasts go at the same time. We do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Also, we're in a new place. Yes, we're just setting up an Instagram account where we'll be posting all of our pictures that we've taken from our live events in the UK. And we'll be posting our podcast there as well. You can follow us, the WNR podcast, the WNR underscore podcast. 
you can listen to our podcast as well on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live show coming in November. Stitcher Radio and iTunes where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. I have been James Rollins and as always, always joined by... Damn right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye.